Workers across the country face a January 4th deadline to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. But among Republicans, there has been significant backlash. In Iowa, there's a new law that allows workers to refuse the vaccine if they say it'll be bad for their well-being or go against their beliefs. Iowa Public Radio's Katarina Sestarik reports some employers there say they're caught between state and federal rules. In order to understand what's going on with vaccine mandates overall, you first need to know that the Biden administration has issued three different mandates. The first is for federal workers and contractors. The second is for healthcare workers. Those groups don't have a testing option. The third, which is currently blocked by a court, is for companies with at least 100 employees. If allowed to go forward, that would require vaccination or weekly testing. This could be the most confusing time as it relates to communicating with the workforce that I've ever, ever experienced. Kevin Kincaid says he starts each day by trying to keep up with developments around vaccine requirements. But as the CEO at a rural hospital outside of Des Moines, he says he still doesn't know what to tell his staff members who haven't gotten the COVID-19 vaccine. December 5th is coming right up. And I would really like to be able to give them some clarity for um, the decisions that they'll need to make. December 5th is the date they'll have to get their first shot to be fully vaccinated by early January if they get Pfizer or Moderna. The new Iowa law directs employers to waive vaccine requirements for any workers who say they believe the vaccine would hurt their health or well-being or that of someone they live with, or if they say it would conflict with their religion. And they don't need to provide any proof. Kincaid says he has a handful of employees who intend to submit that kind of statement, but he doesn't know if that'll satisfy the federal mandate for health care workers to be vaccinated. So that's where the uncertainty comes in, is at the end of the day, will that protect their jobs or will that not? Republican state leaders say the new law is already protecting the jobs of Iowans who don't want to get vaccinated and that it pushes back on what they see as federal overreach. But a lot of employers aren't so sure. Employers are in this kind of rock and a hard place. Denise Hill is an attorney and Drake University professor who wrote a book about workplace vaccine mandates. And so it's really a bad place uh, to be for everyone. She says courts will ultimately determine how the federal and state rules interact with each other. While some state leaders say the Iowa law is in line with typical vaccine exemptions, Hill says it's actually much more far-reaching. Because it really takes away the discretion from the employer. It says that they shall waive this. It doesn't say that they shall enter into an interactive accommodation discussion to see if they can waive them. And so that's really problematic. It does, I believe, conflict with what the federal requirements are. Hill says if the feds don't accept Iowa's waivers, employers could face fines or lose their ability to do business with the government. And if companies fire unvaccinated employees to follow the federal rules, they could be on the hook for paying those workers unemployment benefits. Dr. Christy Peterson is the director of the Center for Emerging Infectious Diseases at the University of Iowa and says the Iowa law could hurt efforts to end the coronavirus pandemic. If we don't have people actually get vaccinated, we're going to continue to have these pockets of people who aren't protected, um, even if they have gotten sick, the evidence is that they don't stay protected for very long. And we, we will just continue to go through cycles of, of illness and death within these groups. Peterson says workplace vaccine mandates have been effective. She says lawmakers should be pushing for more people to get vaccinated because the science is showing that's what will help protect them. For NPR News, I'm Katerina Sestarik. COVID cases are rising in the U.S. and close to 20 percent of adults are still unvaccinated. Now some companies are imposing fees on those who decline shots. NPR's Andrea Shu explains. 
It started with Delta Airlines. The summer, as COVID cases surged, the airline made news with a policy that seemed novel and a bit cheeky. Breaking news in the last hour, Delta Airlines raising health insurance premiums for unvaccinated employees. $200 more a month. Delta CEO said, Ed Bastian defended the policy at the Detroit Economic Club. The average cost of a COVID hospitalization to Delta is $50,000. We've spent an enormous amount of money this last year and a half. Very sad situations to that. At another recent event, Dr. Henry Ting, Delta's chief health officer, said the decision to go with the surcharge instead of a vaccine mandate was informed by everything they've learned about people's behaviors. There's a group of people who simply don't want to be told what to do. With the surcharge, workers still have a choice. Now, only a small number of companies have done this, raised health insurance premiums for unvaccinated workers. But it's an interesting mix that includes the Utah grocery chain Harmons and Wall Street banking giant J.P. Morgan Chase. If you're wondering, is this legal? The answer is yes, when it's done through something called a workplace wellness program. Your wellness program could simply be, I want to encourage all of my employees to get vaccinated. Full stop. That's Sabrina Corlett of Georgetown University's McCourt School of Public Policy. She says federal law allows companies to reward employees for meeting targets or penalize them for falling short, as long as it's part of a wellness program. They might set a target for BMI or body mass index. And if you hit that target, you get a discount on your premium. But if you don't, you pay the same premium or a little bit more. Some companies use wellness program incentives to get people to stop smoking. Now, companies must provide accommodations for people who have legitimate reasons for not meeting the targets. For example, if your doctor says it's medically inadvisable for you to get a COVID vaccine. Corlett says the goal for employers is to have healthier, more productive workforces. And to spend less on overall healthcare costs. Delta won't say how many of its employees are paying $200 more every month for healthcare. But CEO Ed Bastian did recently report that after the policy was announced, Delta's vaccination rate jumped. From 75% to today, we're over 90% vaccinated. And it's not just Delta. Mercy Health, which operates hospitals and clinics in Illinois and Wisconsin, saw a similar jump in vaccinations after announcing its own fee for unvaccinated workers. Deducting $60 per month from their wages. That's Alan Burchich, vice president of people and culture at Mercy Health. He says $60 a month is nominal. It comes nowhere close to covering the costs to the company when someone is out with COVID. Still, it's a reminder to the hundreds of workers who are paying the fee that there is risk to being unvaccinated. He says it could lead some people to rethink their decision. Truly, our goal is to encourage everyone to get vaccinated, but also ensure that people have that choice. Now, Birchich is afraid that choice could disappear. The federal government has issued a vaccine mandate for most healthcare workers, with very few exceptions. He says only a small number of Mercy Health employees quit over the $60 fee. He's afraid more might do so if they're forced to get the vaccine. Andrea Shu, NPR News. Public schools across the U.S. are taking a break for Thanksgiving after a more traditional fall semester that saw students largely back in their classes in person. But it is still a long way from the usual. Many teachers and staff did not return this year, and that has meant a shortage of teachers, substitutes, bus drivers, custodial staff, and more. In some cases, it's even led to virtual classes. Our student reporting team reached out 
out across the country and asked educators and students about how this was affecting them. Here's some of what they told us. I was waiting like 30 minutes for my bus driver to come pick me and my classmates up to go to school, but they ended up never coming and we had to call the office and they ended up sending a extra bus. My school had a lot of vacant spots for teachers. Um, the sixth graders only had one teacher available, so other staff members had to fill in. I don't even have an English teacher and it makes it really hard to learn with no one in the classroom. I had to uh, go to a, the uh, auditorium here at our building uh, because our teacher wasn't here. And in that auditorium, there was three other math classes. We largely don't have enough substitutes. The beginning of the school year, I, I believe that uh, the administrative team, including our principal and the three assistant principals were uh, covering about 20% of the absences. A lot of them may not know like the topic that we're learning, so it's really hard to keep learning in school and you sort of feel stuck. Being a junior in high school, this is a very important year for us and to not have the right teachers is really frustrating. You're on your own, you have to read the material, do the projects and the, and the quizzes and exams on your own and you kind of lose motivation. You get tired from sitting there for so long and doing it on your own. People want to go into education, but they can't because they feel like they're choosing between their passion, which is educating and inspiring, and you know, just growing up and paying bills. If I had known 20 something years ago that I'd be stuck at the same pay scale, more or less, I probably wouldn't have made this choice. The pandemic has made me change my mindset on what a good teacher actually is. With the pandemic, a lot of um, people develop like mental health issues and aren't like really coming back as themselves. And a teacher who understands that we were just in a pandemic and we are just high schoolers, uh, that's really, to me, what makes a good teacher. A good teacher has to be born. You can't just make them come into the business just because they have summers off or the pay is good. So to attract new teachers, I mean, I guess we'd have to go with salary and hope that people that are born to teach fall into the uh, career. Our community's correspondents have been tracking how all this is playing out where they are based, and two of them join me now. Gabrielle Hayes is in St. Louis, and Francis Kaiwa Huang is in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And hello to both of you, and uh, Gabrielle, I'm gonna start with you. You've been talking to education officials. You've been looking at schools uh, in Missouri. Tell us what you're hearing and seeing there. So we're seeing these shortages across the state. And here in St. Louis, one of our school systems, St. Louis Public Schools, tells us that they've experienced over 200 vacancies, and that includes teachers and other support staff. And so I think the way that we're really able to see how this is affecting our state is kind of through the solutions that districts are coming up with. So that's everything from um, some school districts paying their bus drivers more to be custodians when they're not driving. Uh, we have one district in Missouri um, that's now hiring some of its own high school students to fill in some of those non-teacher roles. Um, but again, it's a, it's a state issue, right? So our state has pledged like $50 million over the next couple of years to try to fill in some of the gaps and also to attract more teachers uh, because the state says that um, it has seen a dip in that. And so they've created tools and they're putting money towards it. Um, and it, it, it continues to be a real issue. And Francis, uh, you've been looking at the schools and talking to people uh, across Michigan, and, and you're seeing some similar challenges. 
Yes, here in Michigan, winter has just started, which is also the beginning of flu season, and COVID is spiking. Michigan's currently number one in COVID cases, in new COVID cases. And so schools are trying to balance the traditional teacher shortages, substitute shortages, as well as increasing uh, cases. So some of the things that school districts are doing include uh, shifting the schedule to four days in person, one day remote. Uh, and during that time, they have the, the support staff, uh, like bus drivers and food service people, double up on custodial duty to help uh, deep clean the schools on those Fridays by with the electrostatic sprayers and UV lights. Other school districts are uh, take are closing on days that they anticipate there will be uh, substitute shortages and teacher shortages so that they ca they call it ahead of time so that parents can prepare. So such as Thanksgiving, instead of the regular three days where they've extended to, uh, they've added Monday and Tuesday off as well. And that gives them a chance to disrupt the COVID cycle. And Francis, you were telling us that, that uh, some of these staffing issues existed even before the pandemic hit. Yes, these are long-standing issues. Salaries in Michigan have, uh, have if, you, if you account for inflation, salaries have actually gone down 16% over the last 20 years. Retirements have gone up uh, due, to, during, uh, due to COVID in the last year. Uh, retirements were up 40% over what they had been the previous four years. And the number, and most uh, pressing, the number of college students who are studying to become teachers in the state of Michigan has gone down 50% over the last six years. And, and back to you, Gabrielle, uh, I know in your reporting, you've looked at whether these schools are, are financially prepared to deal with the kind of challenges that are now facing them. Yeah, you know, I think it's important to remember, and we learned this through our interviewing, that um, while some school districts and a lot of them were able to get some CARES funding and they're using that to do different things, um, a lot of these issues existed before the pandemic started, as Francis said. So when we're talking about teacher shortages, um, a lot of that in some cases has to do with teacher pay. Um, and, and Missouri is not... Um, alone in that. I mean, we've seen that across the country and it's, it's a thing in Missouri as well, but also uh, the amount of funding that school districts get from the state. And that matters. That matters, especially if we're talking about issues that happened before the pandemic, when a, when a pandemic hits um, and not having those funds and maybe not being funded adequately. Well, it matters more than maybe it did before. And, and Francis, just quickly, what, have you seen something similar with regard to financing uh, in Michigan? Yes, in Michigan, <clears throat> the the educational revenue growth is if in Michigan is 50th out of 50 states, and so teachers are trying to increase uh, pay rates for substitute teachers. They're trying to increase pay rates for support staff, and they are also offering um, you know whatever benefits they can offer their teachers. They're extending to substitutes, so such as vaccination clinics, and then also they're trying to uh, promote these grow your own teacher programs where they can encourage and help uh, paraprofessionals and support staff who want to become teachers, help support them so that they can become teachers as well in, their, in the schools that they are already a part of. Well, it is such a difficult set of issues, uh, and it is facing so many of our public schools across the country. Uh, with thank you to Francis Kaiwa Wong and to Gabrielle Hayes, our two, two of our community's reporters. Thank you both so much. 
The list of companies paying the price for bias against customers is a long one. Like the $50 million settlement that J.P. Morgan Chase paid after its mortgage brokers charged black and Hispanic borrowers more than white ones. Or the lawsuit that Sephora settled with Asian customers whose accounts had been blocked, suspecting them of purchasing items in bulk to resell them. Or the reputation cost paid by Starbucks when a manager called police on two black men who didn't order anything. The manager assumed they were loitering. Turns out they were waiting for a friend. On this podcast, we've talked a fair amount about bias in hiring, in who gets promotions or who gets funding for their startup. But one of the biggest places bias is at play is in the everyday interactions between companies and their customers. And with greater awareness in recent years towards these risks and real costs, many companies are looking for concrete ways in which they can improve these customer interactions for the better. That's where today's guests come in. Alexandra Feldberg is an assistant professor at Harvard Business School, and Tammy Kim is an assistant professor at the University of Virginia Darden School of Business. They've been studying how to combat bias at the customer interface, and they're the authors of the HBR article, Fighting Bias on the Front Lines. Allie, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. And Tammy, thank you, too. Yeah, thanks for having us. What are some of the main ways that you've seen bias show up in in customer-employee interactions? We key in on three main ways uh, that we see bias in these, these interactions. So the first is just kind of the exchanges, the sort of provision of core products and services, you know, actually going and, and being able to get that vegan poppy seed muffin that I got this morning. The second is in terms of how willing people are to go above and beyond. We call this sort of the extras that happen in the interaction. So, you know, as someone, uh, you know, when you go to a hotel, are you going to be offered a, a room upgrade for free? And then the last is is etiquette. So the, really, this is the manner in which service is delivered. So, you know, like if someone's smiling at you, do you feel like, you know, the body language is inviting and warm? In your research, you find that customers with more white-sounding names, for instance, can be called by honorifics more often. Can you give some more examples of just things that you find really emblematic of bias? We have um, a bunch of studies that really think about the information that uh, service providers, people at the front lines are are willing to give and sort of the volume of information. One study where we look at hotel workers who are the front lines, we basically uh, reached out to these service providers with people with different names to signal things like race and gender. And we ask really simply for restaurant recommendations. And the thing that I always find so interesting about our findings here is that there are actually differences in the number of restaurants that people with different names get recommended. So it's fascinating to me again and again that, that there should be no difference in the number of restaurants that people get recommended. And we see that that is the case. So to me, that's the kind of thing that I find so interesting. So if, if even if you're willing to help someone or even if people are willing to provide the help, the, the information is like quantifiably different. In addition to the number of restaurants, we also saw that when emails came from white sounding names, um, hotel service providers were much more likely to go provide extra information. So it'd be things like, you know, check out these museums in our in our city or like, um, you know, there's a library around the corner that's like lovely to check out. It'd be like information like that, that, 
in our email inquiries, like didn't ask for, but still um, kind of going back to what Ali was talking about, like how our the information was quantified really very different. It wasn't just uh, in response to the direct inquiry, which was about restaurant recommendations, but also um, so much more, uh, so much more than that. What do you think is happening in the minds of people who are doing that, right? What's the root thinking there? From my perspective, I do not think that the differences that we see across these service providers is conscious. You know, people aren't intending to systematically give uh, different information or resources to to customers. I think it's our experiments aren't really picking up because they're kind of across different organizations. They're not picking up sort of one person's bias. It's sort of in aggregate. And so, you know, in any for any one person, it's it's not it's not like someone is necessarily even being unhelpful or in some ways it's sort of like people are just willing to give more information or better services to some people than others, but I don't think it's intentional. Um, you know, oftentimes we think about discrimination as like somebody being hostile against someone, but I think in this case you know, we're seeing that um, discrimination can also happen from people being nice, because here it's people are being nicer to certain groups of people. Some people might say this is a human thing. It's hard to tackle. It's very nuanced. Why should companies buckle down and address this? Simply put, your companies are not taking advantage of the resources, the talent they have at their disposal, um, and kind of leveraging those, um, the people at the front lines to, you know, like if they're not ensuring that they're sort of consistent, equitable service. So if you can act in a really favorable way toward one person, ideally you want, you know, that to be happening across every service interaction, you know, to find new customers, to bring people kind of into your business. Um, and so I think that that's, to me, that's the business case for this. So how do you start as an organization, how do you start recognizing and confronting this issue and, and yeah, and addressing it? We, um, you know, emphasize the importance of actually first um, diagnosing the problem. Um, oftentimes we see that companies like to jump to solutions. They might create like a diversity task force or immediately order, um, you know, shut down stores and order all the employees to go through implicit bias training, like things like that. But um, without really understanding like what's actually going on in your front lines, like there's just no way that companies can effectively root, uh, address that problem. So what we advise in our article is, um, you know, before you do anything, you first need to diagnose the problem. And, you know, you can do this in a few different ways. Um, but I think in our minds, the most important step is to just go out and talk to your customers um, and make sure that you're talking to a diverse set of customers. So. Uh, not just your prototypical group of customers, like your uh, the customers that tend to shop most often at your store, but you know, go out and talk to people who don't necessarily um, aren't your prototypical customers to figure out what their experiences are like. If there are any specific experiences that um, or anything about your company that's uh, turning them away. I mean, that's a classic, you know, management advice, right? Identify the problem before you go out and try to solve it. Is it that people think they know what the problem is because they see the effects and just kind of jump to conclusions? Or why is it so hard to step back and assess what the problem really is? There are probably a few different things that are going on. One of them is like sometimes a big scandal erupts, like in the case of Starbucks, and they feel as if they need to 
do something to address that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very reactive process. But, you know, just because they, I guess, like, at least in the Starbucks case, like, just because um, there were two black men that were arrested doesn't mean that's the only problem that's happening at the front, that might be happening at the front lines. What would probably be more effective is to, uh, for uh, companies in those types of situations to take a step back and actually, like, fully assess the situation to come up with more comprehensive solutions. But there's also probably, um, you know, in light of many different social movements that have happened over the past few years, there's also an increasing amount of pressure from consumers. Yeah, there was a survey in 2020 by LendingTree that found that quarter of those, you know, U.S. respondents they, they surveyed had stopped patronizing a company because it was accused of racism. Right. So there's an increasing pressure from consumers as well because they're no longer caring about you know, what kinds of products or services they're getting from companies, but they actually care about what kinds of values um, companies stand behind. Um, you know, upon that pressure, maybe companies feel like they should act. Yeah. How does a company know that it has a problem like this before it gets to this reactive stage? In some ways, there's a, there's a positive thing here, which is that companies are better equipped than ever before because of the data that they, they collect to know, you know, how consistently and equitably they're delivering service. Given all of the data that many companies collect uh, today, um, I think ways to identify a problem are really to make sure, like Tammy was saying, that there's a kind of an ongoing conversation with a diverse set of customers um, that is happening to really understand, you know, the customer experience um, and especially the service they're receiving. It's important also to figure out ways to monitor and really be vigilant about monitoring the consistency of service that customers with all sorts of different attributes receive. And so, you know, that I think is a really important kind of an ongoing step to take. We talk a little bit about this in the article, but I think this can't be a one-off thing. I think it's it's an ongoing process that we hope uh, companies engage in. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, November 26, 2021. So I have been told uh, hopefully everyone survived, uh, I guess, what they call Thanksgiving so far, Uh, both the toxic food that is frequently offered. Hopefully none of our listeners have had any uh, chitlins. Uh, you didn't have any fiascos with the turkey. Everything turned out delicious, hopefully. Didn't eat too much of it and maybe even got some exercise in uh, today, yesterday with the attempted family, friends, whoever you were hanging out with. Uh, and since this is neutralizing workplace racism, hopefully we have many non-white listeners throughout the U.S. who got extra days away from the plantation. So maybe you didn't have to go to work today or yesterday. Bravo. Maybe you don't have to be back until Monday. Uh, And hopefully you didn't use that time uh, splurging, elbowing other shoppers for Negro Friday. Anywho, neutralizing workplace racism. Weekly summit uh, to share suggestions Uh, problems. Uh, Hopefully folks will have some counter racist suggestions for how best to solve problems in the workplace without creating new problems. 
uh, we always encourage if we have any non-white listeners if you have figured out some things where you don't experience these type of difficulties you don't have any problems with your salary they don't come harassing you about your vaccination anything like that or come uh, harassing you to test every hour anything like that you go to work you do your job you get sparkling performance reviews every time they don't harass your seat you don't come in where you're sitting on the first floor on Monday and then by the time we come in at the beginning of next week you're sitting on the 43rd floor they don't do that you get to go and you're advancing right along in your career if you have figured out how to do that please make sure you are one of the first to dial in like speed dial 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com uh, if you want to be anonymous uh, have concerns or you're just not even able to call in drop an email we can read your commentary anonymously either if you have suggestions or if you have a problem you would like some attempted counter racist feedback uh, let's see before I get to the emails, uh, some of the audio that we heard at the beginning of the broadcast, uh, or I guess number one, before I get to any of that, make sure I get out. Should have said this before. Make sure you're not discussing what's happening at any of these trials. If we have anyone, if the trials have come up in your workplace, when I'm talking about like uh, the Ahmad Arbery uh, murder trial, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, the Unite the Right rally in Virginia. They just had a big settlement there. Make sure you're not talking about any of these trials. Yay, nay, what happened? Did you see Al Sharp? Like, none of that. Unless that's your job to do some sort of political commentary or maybe you work in a, in a law setting where they have to talk about all these things. But if that's not your part of your job, no comment. You can give them the short, I don't discuss politics on the job. I haven't been following whatever, but it would be short and then pivoting back to the workplace. There's no benefit. I've never heard of a benefit commenting about extracurricular activities benefiting a non-white person, especially when it's about things that are racially charged, as they say, like these hearings. Now, audio segments. <clears throat> First, they talked about the COVID-19 enforcement, which is still going on. So. Joe Biden, president, uh, just enforced the federal mandate for healthcare workers and uh, employers who have at least 100 employees or more than that's what it is, more than 100 workers. Uh, they are required to vaccinate. They have a lot. And this was in the New York Times today. A lot of retailers that segment that we heard was about Iowa, but there are many retailers who have rejected enforcing this mandate. They have a hundred workers easily, but they said, Hey, this is our busiest time of the year. Uh, and we didn't even get to do our shopping, you know, right in terms of last season. So we are not doing that. We're not going to risk, you know, having a mass exodus of workers because they don't want to comply with the vaccine and all the rest of it. So we're not doing that. Iowa, they went on a state level, I guess, and passed legislation saying, Nope, 
you don't have to do that. We're not going to require workers to enforce this man- mandate on their employees. White defiance. They said Iowa. I could not imagine uh, if it was some place where black people have like uh, some part of Mississippi, you know, or one of these areas where it's a high concentration of black people and them getting together and say, you know what? That Joe Biden is not going to push us around. This is federal overreach. You're not going to tell us what to do. Let's see. Uh, and then in connection with that, they had the segment where they were talking about making people pay. Right. So you got two different sides and one total defiance. We're not enforcing the vaccine mandate. Even the federal man, we're not doing that. Whatever. Be vaccinated. Don't be vaccinated. Whatever. Just come to work. The other side surcharge Delta Airlines had been doing that. Uh, I think they were the first ones. They said in the report, uh, $60 surcharge employees who don't want to be vaccinated. And they said that this might become more common. I've just said following logic. Now they've said, Hey, if you are more likely to contract the disease, if you're not vaccinated, even though you can be vaccinated and still contract the virus breakthrough as they call it. Uh, and then they said that if you are not vaccinated, you're more likely to have really adverse effects, maybe even lethal, fatal effects uh, from all of this, as they've said. Uh, I am not persuaded uh, and that. And just the fact that there have been so many individuals who've had so-called breakthrough infections where they still had, you know, to go and sit down, quarantine or whatever it is like, really? $60 for the people who are not vaccinated like that's justified it was like that's another one with all the defines I could see a substantial number of white people taking that to court as well to say that this is you know not just and how are you going to say that especially when they've had so many individuals who are vaccinated who have ended up testing positive contracting the virus and or transmitting uh, the virus around the world anywho let's see uh, oh wait a minute Make sure we get through the next report, uh, the school staffing shortages, uh, which they've been talking about for a long time. And that's another one that's been uh, all across the so-called country. Uh, and, and you heard every the whole gambit, teachers, substitute teachers, uh, drivers to get the students to and from school safely, custodial staff, like all kinds of folks it takes a whole lot of folks uh, to operate a school uh, and they've had shortages throughout and just people who said, you know, Hey, I'm not interested in being vaccinated. I'm out of here. I'm not even, you know, interested in being in this environment or what have you. I've got other concerns. I've got family. I've got elderly people, or children, or, you know, peace on, um, one for the parent component. If you have children, that would be another one in terms of like, wow, like with that much instability in the workplace, like or in the school environment where it's, you know, hey, who knows? Do we have enough teachers to cover all the students? Is it going to be virtual? They said in some environments they've had so many shortages that, that they've had to do virtual uh, some days like, wow, how much? And this has been going on for how long now? How much of my child's education, you know, am I willing to compromise in the midst of all these shortages and everything? That would be one major one to think about as an attempted parent. Now, from the educator side of all this, like, wow, uh, I wouldn't even know what to say uh, in terms of uh, if you don't think the environment is safe. Certainly, you make the best choice that you can uh, in terms of just trying to teach there. Like, man, we had young academic and other folks. I can't imagine 
being a sub in this sort of environment or even a driver. And then they say, man, we don't we have so few drivers. We need you all to double up and do extra routes and all this and then come in and also double up and be uh, a part of the custodial staff. Help us clean, maybe teach a class or two. You good at, uh, you know, algebra one. I cannot imagine like and then and then you still have the whole COVID concern. Like, I mean, I guess they say the educators, they're supposed to be in the group of folks who are mandated, uh, it's mandated that they be vaccinated. The children, I don't know, but I mean, I would not be too excited about being in a crowd as they say, we're going into so-called flu season and uh, COVID-19 seems to be rising in different places. I wouldn't exactly be thrilled uh, about being in that sort of environment. Lots to process for educators, educators as well. Uh, let's see. Oh, my goodness. So the last segment, Harvard uh, Business Review, uh, HBR cast. Every time uh, that I hear or we include a segment from Harvard Business Review, I feel a little bit better about my meager efforts at attempted counter racism and particularly workplace racism. When I hear the suggestions that they offer the questions that they ask or how they respond when they have guests on the program. So this time around they had Alexandra Feldberg and Tammy Kim uh, as guests on the HBR cast. Now I believe uh, Tammy Kim is a non-white female, so-called Asian victim of racism, Alexandra Feldberg, white woman, I think, but they didn't have video to this. This was just uh, audio. So they're talking about bias. Begin that the whole report bias this, bias that, all the rest of it. Number one, they start off by saying, you know, bias happens in a myriad of different ways uh, in the workplace. Uh, and they said people who call in with white sounding names. Now, if we're going to start off with that, and so much of this is seeming like it's racism, white supremacy, why not just use that term as opposed to bias? All the pussyfooting and minimizing. So it starts off with that and they say, well, when people call in with recommendations or email, whatever it is, to the hotel, if they have more white sounding names, whatever that means, I would have like I would have enjoyed it. And I would have learned more if they had even given me give me some white sounding names in comparison to whatever you use for the non white sounding names. Right. Then uh, when they say, well, it's it's not like people are being deliberately racist. They're not just they're just not being as helpful when it comes to people calling in and saying, well, are there restaurants? You know, now you can just extrapolate if that's what happens for restaurants. Wouldn't don't you think it would be the same thing or worse if it's calling for a loan or a job or a house? Where life-saving information on escaping the hurricane. It seems like there's evidence that that sort of thing has happened for all of the examples, areas of activity that I just listed. That's one, two. They said this was a response that they got in aggregate. This wasn't a one-person thing. This was, you know, you do a study. So you get a number of people who responded this way. They were more helpful to so-called white-sounding names. One important component of that for me is, hey, you can't be ignorant about racism, white supremacy, if you are, if you're observing this pattern. 
It'd also be interesting to know if the people who responded were classified as white. Is this everybody does this? White people, non-white people are more helpful to people who email or call in who have white sounding names. That would have been interesting, too. Wouldn't surprise me. That's what I would expect. In fact, that everybody is more helpful. Um, they continued. They said, oh, yeah, that it's not conscious. That, uh, that was Alexandra Feldwer- Feldberg the one that I suspect is white uh, saying that, you know, this is not conscious. You know, when people uh, do these emails and things, when they have white sounding names, they're not aware that they're doing this. They're not trying to be maliciously biased. In my view, that is a deliberate act of racism, uh, especially when one, you see this in ad, this is not a one-off thing. This seems to be a pattern uh, of behavior where everyone has come to the same conclusion that is uh, influencing, motivating their behavior to not share all of the pertinent information with non-white people. And then you go above and beyond. In fact, they said you don't even just give information about restaurants or whatever the people inquired about. You end up giving them what he, these are some great restaurants you can check out in museums. And if you need to get some emergency clothes, you can go here and blah, blah, blah. And if you're into prostitutes, I mean, pfft. wow, the whole nine. And I've seen that as well, where people just go above and beyond with a non-white person and McDonald's is right there. <laughs> like, dang. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, and I mean, that has huge, if, like I said, when you think that it's not just for restaurants, it's with inquiring about information, any sort of constructive information. This is the pattern. Something to keep in mind in the work environment as well. When you ask for information or questions about things in a work context, And this same sort of phenomenon happens where you don't get those same sort of robust, comprehensive responses that are above and beyond. You even get more constructive information than what you were specifically requesting. Uh, Let's see. Um, And I guess my last bit. I am a tad suspicious. They said that consumers are more concerned now with the, I guess, moral behavior, ethical behavior of companies. And so if a company is not, you know, behaving correctly, they will divest. Uh, Number one, I have no idea how you would even do that. You would not, you know, you wouldn't be eating out anywhere. Like racism, white supremacy is such a ubiquitous factor. Like how would you, you couldn't go to Starbucks. Like what would you be doing? You'd be doing a lot of, you know, do it yourself, everything, making your own alcohol and all the rest of it. Everything is directly, indirectly connected to the system of white supremacy, racism. And I mean, even thinking about more flagrant things like Starbucks, they had a myriad of I'm right here in the headquarters uh, of Starbucks right here in Seattle. They had a myriad of issues before that incident in 2015 where the manager uh, called the police on those two black guys. It was uh, black people who worked at Starbucks who were talking about pay and management positions and all types of things way before and after that. I didn't see, you know, an exodus uh, from Starbucks, even after they did that little tacky campaign where they did. uh, Let's talk. You're supposed to come in and talk to your barrister about racism while they're making your latte. I and I mean, you can go on and on. They had a white uh, executive for McDonald's 
in the Illinois area, and he made some really tacky, trashy, racist comments uh, about black people who were victims of violence and saying, oh, they're hoodlums and reckless and blah, blah, blah. They deserve what they got. Niggas and flies always into something, that type of a thing. I haven't heard of some, you know, mass exodus. We're not going to McDonald's until this guy is fired and all the rest. I haven't seen that. Like I said, there's so many things that you would be even I mean, specifically, we're talking about McDonald's like Jesus, like how many uh, different corporations and organizations that are connected to McDonald's like, woof. I think that's uh, Chipotle, I think, uh, I believe is a subsidiary of McDonald's. Like it'd be so many things that you would be having to give up and do without like, uh, yeah, I'm 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 rather incredulous uh, that white people especially but everybody uh, I'm rather incredulous that there's that much concern and particularly concern that ends up being reflected in how our dollars are spent uh, about you know changing behavior I'll leave it matter of fact I'll even pause again the freaking Washington football team now they switched it from the Redskins but I mean hey that is a tacky uh, tacky example all the way through. I didn't see people not watching their games and all the rest of it. Uh, them releasing Redskins and not even picking a new name for the team. Anywho, uh, let's see. Let's do the email real quick and then I'll get to the phone lines. Let's see. First email from one of our investors. Uh, let's see. He wrote in. Uh, okay. Since my last update in September, I got the Pfizer booster jab. So he had already wrote in and shared with us that he was vaccinated, did the two rounds. Uh, felt mild flu-like symptoms after getting it, which resolved after 48 hours. At the time, the experience gave me pause. Did I do the right thing? Question. I remain unsure. In any event, I feel fine now with no apparent side effects for whatever that's worth. Most of my family members who are considered elderly have gotten vaccinated. The younger ones, not so much. Some family members have reportedly gotten COVID. None have died from it. It's supposed to be, you know, rather uncommon. And generally people have other issues if they get to the point where they pass away. Uh, appreciate the honesty. And I do think uh, for this person, they shared that one of the motivating reasons for them getting the vaccine was that many of the people that they work with who are classified as white were reckless, were not taking the virus seriously, you know, doing high fives, not even following the, the basic uh, protocols, getting in other people's space and all the rest of it. So that was part of why he got vaccinated to begin with, although he had some hesitancy then seems like he still does. Continuing uh, number two, my suspected racist coworkers have continued to have their large C. <laughs> have continued to have their large potluck carry-ins and morning bagel bags. Like I said, ironclad code. I do not eat. I don't even nibble other people's food at work. Ironclad. That's if you work with white people, non-white people, your parents. I do not eat other people's food at work, especially during holiday season. Number three, the hospital administration has still not determined if they are going to make the vaccine mandatory. The last email suggested that they are waiting for the federal government to make a definitive determination. It's rumored that half of the physician anesthesiologists refuse to get the vaccine 
and are threatening to quit if it's mandatory. Wow. They are claiming a religious exemption. The hospital is full of COVID-19 patients. Dang. I think the administration has just accepted that this is going to be the way things are. And no matter what, I doubt we are going to have any more shutdowns. Well, lastly, for several years, I've had issues with a female suspected racist. She quit the department for a while and then was rehired a few years later with even more authority. Wow. When I was more confused, I thought it was odd that she had this over the top shrine in her work area to LeBron James when he was with the Cavaliers. Since her return, it has gotten more extensive. I now realize it is just fetishization. In spite of her increased authority, she is incompetent and does not even have appropriate credentials. That is one right there. I've seen so many times. I'm going to finish the email, but wow. I've decided to avoid interaction with her as much as possible and ignore her slights. I think complaining to those suspected racists with more authority will just make matters worse. Well, I can only say, number one, uh, the whole LeBron James shrine, like, uh, I would not be thrown off by that. I think some victims would see that type of thing like, oh, that's so cool. She loves basketball and she definitely can't be a racist. I mean, she loves LeBron James, so she must love the rest of it. Like, and do not get tricked or confused about that at all. Um, and fetishization. Exactly. Uh, I have no idea what the shrine looks like, but I mean, even that, that's kind of odd to be in a medical environment, to have that sort of thing. But neither here nor there. Um, I think that is the best route to go. Uh, someone who has shown themselves to be kind of dangerous uh, and insulting, discourteous, unprofessional on a regular basis. Minimize contact as much as you can. I would try to avoid being alone with her. That way there'll be witnesses if something is said or you know, whatever the case happens to be, um, there'll be other folks who can testify as to what happened. And yeah, just do a lot of planned ignoring uh, so that you don't get pulled in, pulled into any sort of tacky uh, exchanges with her. But the credentials, that was the part that I was, man, I have seen that so frequently uh, and in so many different fields, uh, education, he's talking medical profession specifically, but I've seen that repeatedly. Uh, where it'll be a job will call for, you know, whatever it is, you have to have a four year degree or, you know, you have to have gotten this far through med school or whatever, whatever you're supposed to have, whatever credentials uh, and accreditations might be uh, and for individual classified as white. Yeah, whatever, you know, you will, we'll hire you now and you can do some training and, and, you, and you'll be able to get the whatever the accreditation or whatever it is that you need. You can get that credential in the process of working. Maybe we check on it to make sure that you acquire it. Maybe we don't. I've seen that consistently where non-white people, where they will be so ruthless about every piece of paper and every tidbit of information that you're supposed to have before you start. And it ends up just not being the same type of enforcement for individuals classified as white. I've seen that repeatedly. Anywho, and we have another example of the white defiance of the vaccine, and this is at the hospital. That's been consistent too across the so-called country. Medical white medical professionals who said, "Nope, not doing it. No vaccine for me. You're not going to make me do it. And if you talk about making me do it, uh, you can take this job and shove it." White defiance. What it means to be white. Number again: seven two zero 
716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see, folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, if you all have commentary observations to share, line should be open. Uh, let's see. Check out the phone line. Folks are spectating. I said again, uh, please do not wait until the last uh, five minutes, three minutes uh, of the broadcast to decide that you are ready to chit chat. Uh, that happened last week where we had lots of folks who waited till the end. Uh, if you had less, everybody is just chilling uh, and didn't have to go to work this week, didn't have to do anything, could sit home and plan how many pies they were going to bake and what they were going to purchase for uh, Black Friday and all the rest of it. Uh, kudos to you all if, you know, you were in that lucky sort of position. Let's see. Lots of folks spectating. Uh, again, maybe folks got lots of time off from work use that time constructively get some quality rest if you get to hang out with your relatives and what have you hope it's constructive maybe you can talk about counter racism or at least uh, you know eating quality foods that will not poison and kill you or talk about the academic plan my goodness all the upheaval uh, in the school system so many folks are attempted parents and have you know younger folks in the family that alone can be taking up a lot of time constructive uh, conversations what if we what are you doing to compensate for all of the upheaval uh, with the schools and how is that impacting the young people in the family and how are you all getting through all this how is your mental health like all that would be uh, wonderful things to address if you are having some time off from uh, your work environment for the next couple days or so to uh, hang out, chill, do whatever it is with your family. Let's see. Folks are, I reckon, still getting it together. We'll give folks a little while if everybody is, I guess, spectating for Friday and doing their shopping, eating their leftovers, uh, then we'll tell, chill, give folks a little while to get their act together, and then we can wrap up early. I can go and chill for my Friday as well, even though I didn't do any holiday celebrating. Uh, but 720-716-7300, star 61, for folks who are on the line. Let's see. I'll double-check, uh, make sure folks didn't write in as well, to make sure I didn't miss any emails until justice at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. Yes, while folks are spectating, hanging out with family or whatever they're doing, watching the football games, I reckon. Uh, number one, we should be here tomorrow for the compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we'll review what went down the last six days or so on the plantation uh, with the holiday conclusion of some of the crazy trials and all the rest of it. Uh, that'll be That'll be tomorrow, uh, 9 Eastern, 8 Central, 6 Pacific, compensatory call in. Uh, and then we should have uh, white people 
coming back to the program next couple of days. We'll explain all that tomorrow, give out the details, times, and all that if people want to do some homework uh, in advance. Uh, let's see. That's for tomorrow. Uh, there was a report. I'll share it later, but just I know we do have some folks who are working uh, remotely, as they say. Uh, give out my reminder again about those devices and things. If you have a computer, cell phone, tablet, whatever it is uh, from your job, that is not your device. Uh, use it as such. Uh, there were a number of news reports that popped up this week where that was an issue again. I'll make sure to share at least one of them. But uh, do not. I mean, even if you have some extra time to hang out at home or if you're traveling or what have you and you've got the device with you. Uh, that is strictly for the workplace. Uh, if that is your only like you don't have another computer uh, or if they gave you a phone or whatever it is and you don't have another means to like check your email, personal email uh, or, you know, do some browsing online or what have you find another method. Uh, if that means, you know, you can go and get like a, a cheap uh, computer. They have like little cheap computers at Walmart or what have you. We can get a tablet that doesn't cost very much or uh, lots of alternatives, but I would not under any circumstances uh, use a workplace device to do any sort of searching. I wouldn't even check the newspaper. Like I'm, this is like from my practice, like I'm telling you from my own work experience uh, being uh, having a work computer, I wouldn't even go and check the local paper on it. I wouldn't want them to see what articles that I'm reading or any paper for that. Not just the Seattle Times, any paper, any news outlet, nothing. I'm just doing work related activities. I, my assumption uh, is that the IT person or it might even be the CEO of the company uh, is going to come through here and check the entire browsing history. Uh, they might do keystrokes, you know, all of that. That will be the assumption and go right ahead. Do it. You can post it online, everything, because I'm not going to anything except work related activities. Uh, let's see. Uh, color 5180. 5180. Uh, do you have commentary? Yeah. Uh, uh, this how clear do I sound? Because I actually have on a hoodie. I was uh, making a return to the store, and I was, had to rush out to the car because I wanted to chime in. So I just wanted to see, is it, and can I be heard clearly? Uh, so far, yes, sir. We can hear you pretty good, pretty well. Okay. So one of the, the things that you spoke about, uh, particularly with the, if you're working from home and you're utilizing a company computer, everything you said is absolutely correct. And I'd also add in there, um, I would place that computer in such a way that it was facing a wall because uh, it pretty much that's the company's device and they can turn on anything that they want to turn on on that device, in particular cameras and microphones and things of that nature. So I would advise people who have those company computers to you know, do your work in an isolated area because understand this, employers are always trying to find something out about you. And as soon as you let that device that they give you into your home, even though it's their device and they're using it over, generally speaking, your internet connection, uh, they, they would do quite a bit of uh, things that probably legally <clears throat> in the court system would be considered illegal if it was brought to the day of light 
but they're, they, yeah, I wouldn't trust anything about it. So I keep it simple. Do your work in a simple area. Make sure you shut that thing down, that computer down once you're done doing your work. Don't search anything that's not work-related at all. That, that even means logging into personal email accounts. Keep all that stuff strictly to the business email accounts. And I'd even suggest if you're going to have uh, a work computer on your home network, that means the, the Wi-Fi that you pay for. Now, if the company's paying for the Wi-Fi, totally different story. But if you're paying for the Wi-Fi, I'd advise you to set up a guest Wi-Fi and run any we'll say non-owned devices by you through the guest Wi-Fi because as soon as that computer that you have from that company connects to your Wi-Fi, they now have access to your password. So the IT team at your company has access to your password, meaning they can, they can pretty much log into your Wi-Fi because they have your password through that computer that pretty much called a Trojan horse is what it is really that you brought into your house to do your work there. That's the first part. Second part, I'd say, is uh, that, that story behind um, the white name. I have had an interesting experience with that. I published uh, some textbooks back in the day, and I used what my real name was. Now, before I published them, some told me, like, use a pseudonym, right? But I was still more confused. Long story short, I published them. They did fairly well, and it was actually a... a a white person who I, I'd say they're white, but maybe they might not consider themselves. But one of the things they said was, you know, your books probably would have sold better if, you know, you'd use a pseudonym. And upon probing it, of course, I kind of figure out like, yeah, when white people see a, a textbook and my name is very much non-white, they're going to automatically assume that it's just straight garbage. You get what I'm saying? So, I've come to learn that even when I send out business emails or any correspondence, I use uh, a very generic name, I'll say. It, some people might associate it with white. I think that uh, if you saw it, you'd perceive it as a white person because of it. But nonetheless, it, I guess I'd say non-racially ambiguous. So I've come to find that that works. It seems that even when I do cold emails, people respond differently than they did when I used my uh, full name. And so I can attest that I've had that experience with the naming side. And that's all. Much obliged. Thank you kindly for uh, sharing. Uh, I think many of folks can attest to that in terms of the name, uh, having a, a whiter sounding name, uh, whatever that means. Uh, that they get a better response uh, from people uh, and even uh, for an article or a report or something. I mean, the implications of that, like, wow, <laughs> you would have done even. And again, to have someone tell you, like, if you had a generic name, uh, pseudonym, maybe would have done better. That, again, to me, suggests white people are not ignorant about racism. Uh, the computer always appreciate the reminders uh, about the computers. Uh, I know some folks adapted the exact strategies that you were talking about. Like, I'm not going to have this use this device just out here willy nilly in my residence. Like we're going to get to a specific location where they cannot be viewing what I have. And let me check out your bedroom. What is your living room setup look like? Nah, right here. And then off 
close it, turn it off. If they give you some sort of um, carrying case, you know, for your device, shut it off, close it down, put it in the carrying case, zip it, button it, satchel is locked. Uh, if you have a garage, put it out in the garage, put it in the trunk of the car. Uh, if you don't have all that at minimum, it's closed, it's put in the carrying case and it's in the closet you know or what have you if you have a bedroom you don't use put it in the closet in that bedroom that you don't use um all of that may seem uh extreme but there's so many cases they even had uh cases from school where the schools issued laptops to the children they could take them home do their assignments or what have you and same thing that he exactly what he meant they were turning on the device sometimes turning on the camera turn on the microphone see if we can snoop we can find out this is from the LA Times. Uh, this, like I said, there were a number of reports. So this is: Is your company secretly monitoring your work at home? Question uh, mark. It reads: Despite evidence that working from home has not diminished U.S. productivity during the pandemic, employers are increasingly turning to monitoring software that can track workers' keystrokes log active hours take regular screenshots and even activate a web camera and many companies may be using such tracking systems without workers knowledge that's why i said you'd have to assume gartner a technology research and consulting firm estimates that 60 percent of large corporations now employ monitoring software double the share of early last year TerraMind, a Miami-based provider of employee monitoring software, said that before the pandemic, about 70% of its sales came from companies concerned about security and 30% from those focused on worker productivity. That balance has since flipped, said Eli Sutton, TerraMind's vice president of operations. They want to make sure productivity stays high. It's essentially become the new norm. Sutton said, noting that TerraMind's sales tripled early in the pandemic and have not slowed. Most surveys and economic reports so show U.S. productivity did not suffer when American workers began doing their jobs from home. During the pandemic, Americans on average spent 40% of their work hours at home compared with 5% in February 2020. Yet U.S. productivity growth since the health crisis has run at more than double the rate it had in the decade before the spread of COVID-19 and surge of remote work. Uh, let's see. Was there any, this is a longer report. I'm not reading the whole thing. I just want to make sure I didn't miss one of the other important components that was further down was what they had already said. Most workers are not telling their employees that this is happening. They're not saying, hey, we got this great new Terramind software on your device and, you know, we just want to make sure that you're not at home loafing and, you know, watching Alf's Greatest Hits or Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live or Chris Rock or whatever on Netflix. Like, make sure you all are about your business. We're not doing anything nefarious. Just want to watch on productivity. Attaboy. girl, Keep it up. Like, they're not doing that. They just, bammo, take the laptop, it's good to go. And then, you know, we just check in when we need to. So, you have to assume. That's why I said I wouldn't look at anything. I wouldn't check my personal email, social media, recipe, nothing. I wouldn't even check the weather, nothing. If they gave me this computer just to do X, Y, and Z for work, I'm doing X, Y, and Z for work, and that's it. Let's see. Is there anything... Yeah, 
I'll leave the rest. But they did say that not sharing is is key. I think they said like one in five of the folks that are using this sort of technology are not disclosing that to employers at all, which, like I said, if you're codified, doesn't matter. I'm already behaving as though everything on this computer is being monitored when I'm in the workplace, even when I'm not on the computer, I'm still behaving as though everything is being recorded. You are under surveillance in the system of white supremacy. Uh, our caller, uh, the Delta, did you, you mind if I had something guy? The caller at uh, 5180, did you have additional commentary? Just listening? Yes. Uh, oh, yes, also, sir. Also, what I want to say is with that computer side, and what I warn you guys about is when you log on to your Wi Fi network, uh, that device is not just what's coming across your work computer, okay? It's programs out there. One that I use when I do network probing is called Wireshark. And what all that I need to do is gain access to the wireless network, right? And I can pretty much see all the traffic coming over the network. So even if it's not traffic for my device, I can look at the traffic of any device that's connected to that Wi-Fi spot, okay? So when you bring that laptop from your company into your household, it's way deeper than just you looking at, you know, some site. Uh, it might not even be a bad site, something that your company might say, oh, you guys are wasting time on. No, it's deeper than that. It's the fact that this device that you brought into your home is now connected onto your network. So that means that your company has access to all the traffic. They can monitor all the traffic that's going on over your network, whether it's from your device, from that device that they gave you, or another one. You get what I'm saying? So it's way deeper. That's why I say you, it's better if you're going to work from home, establish a guest network. If you so choose to go to like a, a Starbucks or a Spots that I have seen that might work, I guess, if you say, like, hey, I'll go to the public library. Um, I know the public libraries in my environment have quiet rooms. I don't know. It's usually a time period that you can use them, so I don't necessarily know if you can camp out there for eight hours. But given that most people that I've seen who have the capacity to work from home, they enjoy it because in their mind, they're just kind of thinking of it in a simpleton fashion. I'm not trying to uh, attack them by saying simpleton, but that's how they think about it. They're not thinking about it as these are corporations that are all about profit and are all about doing nefarious things until somebody kicks their door in and beats them down in the courtroom. So what happens is if you're going to work from home, you set up a guest network. So that way, yeah, that computer is going to be on the guest network, and that's pretty much all it's going to be able to monitor because a guest network is going to be segregated from your primary network, okay? That's, that's how I would suggest doing it if you're going to work from home because if you put it on your primary, um, your primary account, right, your main account that you, your smart TV tied to and, and all your little devices, your personal cell phones and things of that nature, uh, as soon as you connect that work computer, they now got access to what you're doing because as long as that computer's there, it's always going to be something that you got to consider a compromised device. Now, taking it and turning it off sounds great, but just because you power it off doesn't mean it's off, all right, folks? So <laughs> unless you take the battery out, that's the rule of thumb in the IT community. If I can't take that battery out, I do not trust that that device is off, okay? 
because there's ways in which it could appear to be off, but it's still able to run off of like a trickle of energy that's left that you're able to have in the board. I don't want to get too technical with it, but if you can't take the battery out of that device, do not consider it off, okay? That's how I'd put it. If you haven't studied that device in and out to figure out how to turn off radios and remove things and then put them back in there, consider that to be a compromised device because your company that gave you that device, I guarantee you they are pieces of shit, and that's the stuff that they pay very talented hackers to do, okay? They're not your friends. They really don't like you. So my best bit of advice is if you're going to do work from home, set up a guest network and or go and purchase uh, one of those, um, if you don't want to even have to have it connected to your network, uh, I guess what, what's those like, uh, I wouldn't go through your primary phone company, like an AT&T or Verizon, if you have an account with them, but uh, get one of those data plans that you can do like a monthly type plan that AT&T would sell and you can get it independent so that you can just plug that AT&T dongle into your computer and that device will only communicate on that AT&T network or the Verizon network for your work purposes. That way you don't have to log that computer onto your, your home network. You get what I'm saying? These are just some of the ways that uh, those of us who are good at flipping zeros and ones, we think about stuff, okay? So that's why I can tell you unequivocally, do not connect that computer to your primary Wi-Fi. If you got to do it, do a guest one, best option, go get one of those data plans, one of those dongles, you see it. They probably have specials on them now. Yeah, you might have to pay a little bit more money for internet service because you're paying two bills. But the whole point is you don't want your company having access to your personal stuff. And that's very personal stuff that they got access to. Okay. So that's, that's, that's all I'm going to leave that with because it's way more serious than they're leading on when they talk about just, you know, oh, them turning on their laptops and stuff. That's a small stuff. That device is on your network and it, we can monitor all the traffic that comes over that network. Okay. That's not a suggestion. That's not a hack. That's just how things work when you're connected to a network, all right? So that's what I would tell you. That's all. Much obliged. I do know that has been very popular, people that have those concerns, like about even having the device on the network to just go to, the, like you were saying, like the library, I guess, can be touch or go because the libraries were not open uh, here until pretty recently. Uh, so that wasn't really an option to go hang out at the study room, but Starbucks, I guess, or the different uh, work shared spaces uh, that they have in some places like doing that someplace that's out of the residence. So they don't have that device on their network. I am aware that some folks are, are big into that. I know we even we had some folks who rejected the whole work from home because they didn't want to deal with all of that and just said, I'll go continue to go into the office uh, and work just because I don't want to have any of those uh, spying issues uh, with any of their devices being in my residence. So much obliged for the uh, additional detail that is serious to think about uh, whichever option, you know, uh, you want to go. But, yeah, I would not want to even have to think about them monitoring all of, you know, what traffic, what sites you're visiting, what have you. And then anybody else in the house too. you know what they're doing on the what sites they're going to and what have you. So, yeah, be very, very mindful uh, if you have any of those devices in your uh, residence, have an extensive code about how it's going to be utilized. Uh, let's see. 
uh, other folks who dialed in the caller at is it, set, uh, four seven nine seven four seven nine seven uh, should be with us as well. Did you have commentary, sir? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, may I be heard? Yes, sir. Oh, awesome. Um, thank you to the host, uh, Gus, and the listeners and the, um, the, the callers on the line. Um, I wanted to share my thoughts on um, the insurance with uh, some of the larger companies. And forgive me if I'm uh, a little noisy. I'm uh, still in my vehicle having uh, completing a, uh, a work assignment. The, I worked for a former employer who had the insurance policy where you would have to, uh, if you didn't meet certain uh, criteria, such as um, having uh, your physical health, or if you were a smoker, or uh, if you were uh, overweight, that you could, you would have to pay, uh, you would not, you could get extra uh, money toward um paying your uh, deductible or your um, premium if you, or not your premium, excuse me, but you could have extra money toward your deductible or toward your co-payment for either your medicine or your physician that you were going to visit if you met uh, certain criteria such as uh, a lower body mass index or uh, were a non-smoker or completed um a training uh, based on sleep uh, to ensure that you having to pay that those extra fees. Uh, one of those ways was to complete an online training. Uh, you had, a, say, for example, you had a higher uh, body uh, mass index. You could complete an online training uh, regarding diet, uh, exercise in order to get those dollars back so that you can use them toward your deductible or your co-payments. Um, one other thing I wanted to discuss on the insurance uh, and it was that um, I recently wanted to get insurance uh, and I have not had insurance for the past few years because I'm an independent contractor uh, and uh, the insurance was just very, very high. Uh, even going on to the government websites, the insurance was, you know, much more expensive than what I wanted to pay. Um, but I decided to get insurance uh, this year, and my wife has a uh, employer that will offer insurance to the um, the spouse, and we were inquiring on getting me added to her policy. And we found out that to add me to her policy, it would be an additional $500 per month just to add me to the policy where there would be a deductible, co-payments, <clears throat> uh, and uh, some things would not be included, such as uh, dental or eyeglasses. Uh, so that is, for me, not something that I wanted to do. So I have to find an alternative to uh, getting insured. Um, um, and also on the uh, education 
uh, front, I wanted to comment on the lack of, um, I guess, personnel in the schools because my uh, child who is in second grade has been experiencing less than adequate or less than com- compensatory uh, education uh, for the first two and a half to three weeks of the beginning of school, there was no permanent teacher. They had a substitute teacher um, for substitute teachers, plural, um, for the first two and a half to three weeks of the school year. And when they got a teacher, this is a, uh, a teacher who was, I'm not sure how well-trained this teacher uh, this teacher is, he's a male teacher. I was, <clears throat> excuse me, um, happier that he got a male teacher finally. Um, but as, as it turns out, this person is, is, uh, not, uh, as up to the task as I had hoped. Um, we, he'd been experiencing a situation where for my child, he is a very reserved, uh, some would even say shy child. Uh, and he has been experiencing someone who has um, uh, been mistreating him inside the school um, because he is not very uh, vocal. It hasn't been addressed until he has you know, talked to us. Uh, one of the issues he's been having is a student, a fellow student who has been uh, pushing him and, and just mistreating him. Uh, and when he has told the teacher, he has told us that the only thing that the teacher does is yell at the child. Um, and it has not really stopped at this point. So we can uh, deduce that it really doesn't work, the fact that this teacher yells at uh, the child who may be doing something um, inappropriate uh, in the classroom. And this teacher has not addressed us. We have addressed this teacher multiple times to uh, let him know that we want to be informed if there's any issues in the classroom because we do value our child's education. And at this point, we are not getting the feedback, and he is not getting the feedback to uh, to to show that he is. Uh, excelling in the way that uh, his mind allows him to. Um, so that's one. Uh, and one of the one part of his codification is he has been uh, training in martial arts uh, for the past uh, year and a half, two years. But part of his codification is that he has told me when I've told him to, you know, make sure you're not. Uh, being mistreated by anyone. And if somebody is mistreating you physically, you are allowed to, uh, to defend yourself physically. But part of his, his codification is that he feels that he is uh, trained to the point that if he hits someone or pushes someone down, that he could hurt them. So he has said that he is not allowed to do that because his uh, martial arts instructor has instructed them not to be physically abusive. Maybe he's misunderstanding um, that that portion of that codification. Um, so 
I think that requires a little bit more um, understanding or I guess um, uh, us giving him more codification on that uh, perspective. Uh, and the last one I wanted to share was that uh, during uh, the past couple of weeks as my job picking, uh, picking up COVID testing uh, kit samples is that uh, I had to perform an extra shift and I'll just make it very quick. Uh, I had to perform an extra shift um, where I was getting less than adequate uh, rest. And I've really determined that they really don't care and they're not very adequate. The people who are in charge of that portion of the program where they are arranging the people who do the pickups are not, uh, they're, they're just not adequate to their task because if I were uh, telling them that I'm not going to be able to perform that task, it seems like they should have some type of backup uh, to uh, allow them to make those um, pickups without uh, missing many steps. Um, and that's all I have to share for uh, this evening. I don't want to keep going on and on, uh, but thank you for allowing me to share and have a great evening, everyone. Hmm. Much obliged. Uh, thank you for sharing, sir. Um, I do not have children. Still, uh, all of that said, I think that is somewhat common. Uh, my understanding in terms of folks who do some sort of martial arts uh, that they generally I think if they have an instructor who's, you know, somewhat responsible, they generally are instructed in that way to like not use their what they've learned uh, to go out and either start fights or even, you know, in fights and that sort of thing. Because sometimes uh, white people in a court of law will say, because you have that training, if you get into a fight with someone that you can inflict lethal damage or you can cause a lot more harm. And so they will be much more punitive. Uh, and and it, as opposed to it just being if there is a scuffle and it just being, oh, boys will be boys or, you know, children mess around. It's, uh oh, we got a train killer ninja assassin type of a thing. So uh, at least from my understanding, that is common, although I def self-defense certainly but even in a school context even if he wasn't trained like that can be whew, system of white supremacy race soldiers are notorious for getting a victim for retaliating like even you know if a white child has uh choked that non-white person or broken you know bones anything it can be all kinds of physical assault if you respond like oh my goodness the negro we're gonna get him and can't allow sort of negro hooliganism so it can it can just be really challenging in a school environment with white people period uh in terms of responding with counterviolence although i'm certainly you know i'm not a parent certainly defending yourself is is justified to keep yourself safe but wow race soldiers can punish you for having the self-respect to defend yourself man um with the insurance component, just when you mentioned that, I was thinking like, wow, so it's a sick because I've heard that. Right. That's not like new what he was talking about in terms of uh, you might get benefits. You might get a cheaper rate if you are in shape in terms of your body mass index and if you don't smoke and if you exercise and blah, 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 all the rest of it, um, you might get a cheaper rate. Conversely, you might have to pay a little bit more. Uh, and I was thinking like, man, do they have like a, a cigarette smoker tax? 
do they have it? Because I mean, cigarette smoking kills a lot of people. Like, it's no quabble about that. That's not controversial. Like, that is fact. Cigarette smoking kills a lot of people. Do they have like a cigarette smoker tax for Delta Airline? Like, if you smoke cigarettes, like, up, uh, that's going to be $60 extra per month. Like, is that the only uh, copay that they have? The one for the folks who are not going to be vaccinated for COVID-19? I'm just thinking aloud. Um, but that does, I'm not sure what the, what the going rate is, uh, but $500 to add you to the policy. Like, wow. Um, that's why I was, that sort of thing. I was thinking we were talking about overdoses and access to prescription medication. And I was saying, man, there's so many non-white people where whites have done a phenomenal job at making sure that we don't have access to healthcare case in point, even if you're gainfully employed, uh, let's see. And even with all that, when he was talking about his child, like the understaffing issues that occur, that is so regular um, in terms of what schools are dealing with right now. That's what I was saying. Like, if you're a parent, like, wow, that is something to consider. Like, it might that might be a part of it that they are understaffed. And like he was saying, you don't know what credentials the folks have. You know, it's everybody seems to be saying, I will take anybody. Like, if you can pass a background check, you are hired. Let's roll. <laughs> like, uh, so I mean, who knows what kind of standards that yelling at the child might be the only thing strategies that this person has learned. You know, as an instructor, especially if these are non-white children, like that's what you do. Yell at and beat a nigger. So, yeah, it is a lot to consider uh, in terms of the dis- disruptions uh, that are taking place right now. That might even be with your job as well, where you said the people that, you know, you did an extra shift or whatever. You seemed like some of the people that were working were not qualified to do this work. I suspect that that might be very widespread right now because they're saying there's so many staff shortages, like literally about. Mm, a block from where I am right now uh, the U district uh, they have a restaurant it's been there for years very popular they literally have a sign up right now that says they are not open full weekends and have not been for a long time because they don't have enough staff they literally I think they're open like Saturday not Sunday uh, because they said they don't have enough workers to you know be able to have a, a shift a functional shift for a Sunday presently who knows what type of folks are working at the school or like is it where he's working at who knows you know can you pass a background check and I suspect that might even if the person is classified as white they might even push that to the side because they said they've been hiring people that are like 14 15 to come in and work they're so desperate so I mean who knows and this is uh, picking up the COVID testing. <laughs> he said, right? Who knows? Anybody? You got a learner's permit? Get in here. Let's ride. Let's see. Um, other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, uh, commentary to share. Line should be open. Can I be heard? Uh, young academic, yes, sir. Greetings, Gus, the hosts, callers, and listeners. I usually call in to report about my uh, daily job. Today, I'm going to share about my uh, after-school job. Recently, I was told by another uh, employee to watch out because she caught another employee talking about me with a manager. Because uh, a parent went off on me for telling her daughter that she could not sit with her brother 
the student was trying to sit with the kindergarten and first grade and she is in uh, fourth and we have them separated. I haven't been writing in my workplace journal, but since this event has happened, I decided to start up again. I'm going to share a few stories. I believe uh, they will attempt to get rid of me. And I know that I gave this employee advice about keeping a journal and it saved her job. So I'm going to uh, share a few stories I have. Uh, this one is from June. I, I don't like working for this program, but I need the money, and I still feel as if the children need me. Since working here, I've come to know that state and city elections are a joke, especially when it comes to mandated inspections. Mr. B is a joke. He tells me to make a list of supplies, which he doesn't deliver on. He uh, takes attendance at the end of the week, instead of daily, like other sites I've have, uh, worked on and require, students are thirsty, but are only given water bottles in the daytime. By the evening, by the evening time, when that hits, uh, they are warm. If they are given uh, water bottles at all, this is a, a, here's another report. Took pictures of a severe mouse infestation as proof as why students shouldn't return to the classroom. I, feel, I felt as if it was against policy and procedure and safety norms. Mice located in ceiling and bathroom of classroom, students afraid to use the lavatory, told my supervisor this numerous times, replied that he is working on it. I, have, I've, I had had a conversation with the janitor and his response was that it was nothing he could do. I was forced to go to the classroom daily during the summer program. Classroom also had a severe ant infestation coming from underneath the computer. I didn't realize this because the computer desk and keypad were covered in mouse poop. To mediate this situation, I decided to still log in, but immediately disinfect and wash my hands afterwards. Students, was told, students were told to wash their hands every day. Here's another report from uh, August. I was told to start working today by Mr. B. Hopefully we are out of the lunchroom. Uh, lunchroom this school year, last school year, when I was teaching one of the kindergarten classrooms, we had the mouse infestation to the point where I refused to work in the classroom. When I immediately brought this to the attention of my supervisor, he acted like it wasn't a big deal. This problem persisted to the point that there were mice in the ceiling. Every day I would see mice in the kitchen. And I have uh, one more report from November 1st. The program I work for has yet to have our mandatory yearly meeting to discuss policy and procedures and other concerns. Today I'm not feeling well and I cannot seem to reach Mr. B to tell him uh, and let him know that I won't be able to make it in. Usually when people are feeling sick, they are simply just allowed to show up. This puts extra uh, they're simply not allowed just not to show up. This puts extra stress on students and staff and violates social distancing policy that is not enforced. There has been times when I was told by the lunch lady and not by Mr. B that staff have contracted COVID-19 and that it would not be in my best interest. To, it would be in my best interest to get tested. I still don't know how this man is able to stay employed. Mr. B never picked up my call and I thought that even though I sent him a text 
it was in my best interest to still go in because I'm the only one in the lunchroom at 2.30 to receive students. It would be unprofessional of me to leave students unsupervised. I decided to still go in. I was greeted by Mr. R. He let me know that Mr. Bunin had received my message earlier in the day and had let him know that I wouldn't be in. I felt that it was very unprofessional for Mr. B to have received my message and not let me know. Instead of being greeted with, what are you, instead of being greeted, I was greeted with, what are you doing here by Mr. R. I would have liked to be home in my bed. Mr. R often mentions how he has to cover for Mr. B because he is essentially doesn't know what he is doing. And uh, thank you for allowing me to share. Wow. Much obliged, young academic. The gossip, they'll slip that gossip in, right? He said, Mr. R will come in. I got no count, Mr. B. He's so lazy, worthless. I end up having to cover him because he's just so worthless and lazy. Hmm. I'd say watch for that one. Uh, That is another one that's very common uh, where individuals classified as white will come to you, a non-white person, and just talk real bad about, you know, Johnny down the hall, Mr. B, Helen, whoever it is, just talk real bad about him. And then you lean into it. That's another one. They get the person like they get the person that retaliates right for self-defense. They'll get you. It'll end up being that you came around here and instigated. And oh, my goodness, did you hear Gus? He was just talking so bad about Mr. B and said he was a no count this and had dirty fingernails and didn't wash his socks and ran, ran, ran and all the eh. I do not participate in any gossip. Uh, just real serious about that and make it known so that other people don't come and talk to me uh, to talk bad about uh, another coworker. Love that response. Mr. Edward Williams. He do all that. Mr. B is no count trifling and lazy. Wow. Is there anything we can do to help him out? That's like it. Other than that, like I'm not snickering about it or anything else. Uh, let's see with the, uh, the white defiance even the young girls he said that the young white girl wanted to go to the other grade to be with her brother which is pretty standard right you have that even uh friends sometimes you know they want to go to the other child's class and all the rest of it hey 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 this you get to see them later on we got to go back to class that's normal right enforce boundaries that's what school is about part of anyway and he says the white parent comes to tell him what do you think you are doing telling our Becky she can't do such and such and such that right there is modeling you know like why am I it so is she not supposed to learn anything she's just supposed to hang out with the brother for the day I'm still in the question mode just so I can understand you know we're on the same page as they say about how your children are to be educated anyway so from uh, the defiant uh, white girl and the white parent telling him off I think he said that might have been the white mom white women um, dying of thirst the young children to come in thirsty normal you know water drinking is important Uh, he says they'll give them a water bottle in the morning and they're I guess there for a long time some you know programs you might be there for eight hours sometimes you might be there longer than that Uh, I think especially for young children they're active and running around and doing all kinds of things like why it's half of your body weight in water so 
I'm going to assume that these young folks probably weigh 100 pounds somewhere in there. So if we're talking 50 ounces of water just as a baseline, one little eight ounce water, like, come on, come on. What kind of nonsense is that? Like, again, that's resources like that would be easy. You go to Costco or whatever and, and get all kinds of water, get a water filter for heaven's sake. And, you know, we're all done with that. Have it delivered. We're to school. I've seen I've worked at schools where that's what they had. They just got water delivered like, you know, every other week or whatever it is. Water is plentiful. Uh, let's see. The mice and all of that, they just that's what they said at Howard. We just had that report uh, on the compensatory call in this past weekend where the students were protesting. They were sleeping in tents and everything to get the administration to address that problem. Like that's such a health hazard in the era of the Rona to have that ants and uh, mice on top of everything you can't even use the computer this isn't a school like come on that's absurd in fact I was thinking the department of health like that's who I would contact like Bing take pictures department of health like get this remedied immediately like that's the sort of thing they can have on the news like can you believe it disgrace that our children uh, can I be heard yes sir Everything is rigged in this city. Uh, the program I work for, the lady, the uh, the director of the program, she got her job, right, because uh, the mayor, he uh, was, he got uh, arrested for smuggling funds a while back. And I guess uh, the chief uh, firefighter or whatnot, he took, he was the fall guy. And he didn't say anything. So the mayor comes out of jail. He wins reelection. As a uh, award, he rewards uh, uh, this lady with uh, a directorship over this program. And that's basically how this program is run. They have the water. Uh, the reason why we have to have water bottles is because the water fountains are uh, duct taped and students are not allowed to uh, drink out of the uh, water fountains. And then when we do have state mandated inspections, right? Now, uh, mind you, the uh, student, the uh, teacher to student ratio is supposed to be like 1 to uh, uh, 12. Okay, uh, I usually have uh, 43 students in my class and to the point where we don't have deaths for the students. And when we do have the state mandated inspections, they purposely call all around the city to different locations to have other employees come in to simply cover and act like they work there permanently all of the time. Right. And then as soon as the inspection is over, they leave. And it's it, it's completely it's, it's completely rigged. I I do not have faith in the uh, the education system anymore. Wow, nepotism, cronyism on display. Oh, that's so disgraceful. Not surprising, but so disgraceful. That sort of conduct is rife uh, throughout white supremacy. I mean, really, white supremacy, racism is nepotism, criminal activity, family affair type thing family and friends um even with all of that i would still contact the department of health if i was you know if you were so inclined um not expecting the heavens and earth uh to change just it might be an additional motivator uh people generally for children might but you know that idiot does say white people don't care about children so Obviously, hey, they're not that motivated to get the mice and ants and whatever other uh, pestilence out of there. So vermin out of there. So um, but that is so disgraceful. Like, wow, just ugh, 
Yeah, I would not. Uh, and he said in the kitchen air, like, are you serious? Like, woo. That's why I said, like, it would have to be pictures. Like, at least I did that. I sent information to the Department of Health. And these are his cousins and homies who helped him get reelected, the mayor and all the rest. Well, you know, man. Uh, let's see the COVID debt now. See, that's safety. Both of these are. That's why I said you have to prioritize your health. That's black self-respect, in my opinion, prioritizing your health in the workplace. Young academic, he said, hey, I'm not going back in this classroom. This needs to be cleaned immediately. This is totally unacceptable. I'm not going back in there. That's what it has to be sometimes. Just black self-respect. Uh, if you don't set standards for yourself in terms of what's safe, what's acceptable for a work environment, anything goes on the plantation. That is the rule. Uh, with and that's right in with the COVID-19 data now what in the world how is this this is you know an academic setting they've got children you know presumably many of whom are not quite vaccinated yet uh, or maybe only vaccinated recently maybe uh, how is it that reckless where staff is out people are out seems like they could be sick there's no notification and I, I totally understand in terms of HIPAA and you can't disclose medical information but I mean Whoa, if it's a situation where maybe you should get tested, you don't have to come out and say, hey, Mr. B got COVID. You know, he's been reckless. He doesn't wear a mask. He's not back. You don't have to come out and even say, oh, like, whoa, uh, we have concern. Make sure that you get checked. Students as well. You know, make sure that you get checked, especially we know it's so-called holiday season and you might be around relatives and people that are flying in or traveling from wherever. Make sure that you get tested so that you can be safe. Keep your family safe. That has been consistent uh, where companies of all sorts in many different fields have not had any sort of uh, transparency disclosing this sort of information so that people just can make safe choices you know let's make sure that we're going there and he said the protocols are a joke they're not distancing and and even upholding some sort of bare standards uh, about you know protocols even even let's say everybody there students st uh, faculty staff everybody's vaccinated that's not perfect they said that you can still transmit you can still contract should still be code, uh, protocols, masks and all the rest. He said they're not even doing the basic protocols. You really have to be about your safety. You know, I, I cannot stress that enough. Whatever that means for you, wearing a mask and t telling people about their space so that they're not climbing on. Even if it's children climbing all on top of you and I mean, high five you and touch you and give me a hug and all that. Like get back up distance. If it's coworkers back up. No, I'm not eating anything like less distance i'm taking this serious even if you all are not thank you kindly you know uh anything else uh in the gossip yeah i can't yeah that is so common as well so much of this is you know the standard kind of trifling racism that we get from so many other areas but do not fall for that ploy uh when some race soldier or even another non-white person when they come to talk bad about another employee I have nothing that that's even one I could put up that up there with the racist jokes like, you know, I really, you know, try to to not engage uh, in bad mouthing or saying anything about other people that work here. Like we all have to get along. If there's a problem I can help solve. If Ted needs some help with something, let me know. But I don't even engage in that sort of conversation, you know, even if you don't even want to say that much, but just. I don't talk. I don't engage in this and I don't want to be involved in this. Like I'm not the one to come when you got some, you know, hot gossip, you know, on what's happening up on the third floor. I am not the one to bring that to. 
And like I said, even if you snicker about it, they come in and, and you laugh out. They come get you, right? And say that you're a co, you are a co-defendant in this. You know, you were engaged in bad mouthing and creating a toxic work environment for Rhonda and Fred up on the third floor. Like what? What? I don't even know them. He just came to talk to me. Reputation for I don't do any of that. No gossip. No scuttlebutt. Constructive work environment. That's what I'm about. Being courteous. So trashy. I'm glad you resumed your workplace uh, journal. Uh, young academic. Hopefully it'll be constructive. None of our memories uh, work as well as we like to think. So it's always great to uh, have notes. Uh, it doesn't have to be a book, you know, but just writing out the pertinent details. You never know, you know, when it might be necessary. And even sometimes it can help with recognizing things that we didn't quite grasp. Sometimes it might take us a little while to think about something before we totally understand what's happening. So always an advocate of uh, the workplace journal, and it might end up being a, a greater resource for you down the road than you know. Uh, let's see. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in, uh, if you have a hand up, uh, commentator share, line should be open. Greetings. Retired firefighter in New York. Yes, sir. In well, Florida, sir. In Miami. Sorry. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I was just going to uh, give a suggestion to the uh, caller that... Uh, mentioned about uh, the trouble that uh, he's having with this with the, uh, the school uh, involving his uh, his his child um, I would say uh, might want to start off with a parent teacher conference bring your notebook to take notes uh, and also uh, have questions to ask that person with a witness at the uh, parent-teacher conference. Uh, if that's not suffice, go directly to the principal of that institution uh, with the same report and also with uh, your, your uh, notebook uh and even beyond that there's always in in a uh public school system uh a uh person that has uh that's in charge of uh a certain uh area of schools you are also entitled as a parent to meet with that person involving the issue with your child between those steps you you probably will get some uh get some uh some attention uh some uh, uh consideration on your uh plight with your child between those 
those steps somewhere in in the in the midst of those steps with that teacher directly with the witness the principal with that teacher there uh or the person that's in charge of the school that the schools in that area uh they're brought to their attention uh you probably would get something uh something out of that that's all I have to say thank you much obliged retired firefighter in Florida um yeah that is a great suggestion uh for dealing with the situation where they're just yelling I guess at this other student and that does nothing to resolve the problem he just comes back to continue uh terrorizing our caller's son um get get the notebook potentially have another witness and see if we can come up with some other strategies uh to neutralize uh this child's incorrect behavior love it love it love it request a meeting um let's see the number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. One thing I guess I would say uh, briefly, again, I don't have offspring, but if you do have children, I would go to the school like that would be a part of your job. I would go to the school just so that, you know, so that you can sit in class and I would go like maybe once a month, maybe even more than that, if you can, from time to time. But I think at least once a month, uh, just so that all of your child's educators can see that you are very vested in your child's uh, academic performance. That way, you know who all of your child's educators are and other students that way when this sort of problem happens you know who this child is right uh so if we're going to have a meeting and blah 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 i'm there i've seen you know this sort of thing happen i've seen where other disciplinary problems have happened in class and how they're dealt with these are some ideas that might work like all of that and you never know they just had that report where a mom was there and saw her child being directly mistreated uh, where somebody else was doing something and the teacher blamed her child and she was right there seeing that her child didn't do anything. So, yeah, definitely try to uh, once a month, I think, would be a great ratio for the entire school year so that what is it? They were a fixture in the classroom. That's what you become for your child and any race soldier, you know, instructors, educators that your child has to deal with. Let's see. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have uh, commentary suggestions uh, for neutralizing workplace racism, uh, lines should be open. Proceed. Grand, while folks are getting their thoughts together uh, again we will be here uh, for the compensatory call in Saturday 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific uh, we'll review what's gone down the last seven days whatever it is uh, since uh, 
we were on over the past weekend. We did our global Sunday talk. Uh, but yeah, we'll try and catch up what's happened. Uh, folks have any, I guess, reports from the so-called holiday and Black Friday and all this goofiness. Uh, we can deal with that as well. I know some folks said that they did were able to make things, you know, constructive uh, for the time that they have with attempted relatives and all. But we'll catch up on all that uh, tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. The compensatory call in. Uh, let's see with those uh, rituals. I'll make sure I get that in as well. Now that it's like full force holiday season until so-called Christmas. Uh, if your workplace, if they have returned to any of that goofiness like they're going to do the holiday party and let's go get drunk uh, at Susan's house or whatever it is man thank you God for COVID-19 I would use that to the hilt uh, especially if you got parents like woo, layup like all I would say as a parent I am still very cautious and not doing big gatherings of people I just can't take any chances as a parent that should be all you have to say. Nothing else. If they want to get, you know, upset or whatever, I wish you well. And hopefully you all have a great time and all the rest of it. But just can't do any, you know, gathering. I don't care if they're going to a, a restaurant or a bar of some sort. I don't care if it's going to be at somebody's residence. None of the above. I'm just not doing any sort of gatherings right now. Can't take any chances as a parent. I'm a mom. I'm a dad. Whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah, that would be easy. I can't can be there if they do something uh, during work hours, which I know is very common. You show face. You're sober because sometimes they'll have alcohol. You show face. You do your 30 minutes, and then you know on to other activities. I got other things to do. Did your 30 minutes? You were there. Picture whatever. So you have evidence. Oh yeah, I was there. See, that's me in the corner right there next to the stockings. And then I'm out of here. I'm not hanging out. You know, all day long and doing this either because that tends to drift off into non-constructive activity as well. But definitely no eating they try to get back into the potluck and they come to twist your arm and come on why don't you make a pie or such the string bean casserole i'm not eating anything i have dietary restrictions i'm god wouldn't even get any of the details of it like i just nope no thank you i'm good i'm sure you all have a great time they try and make you a little plate even if you don't cook anything Get it to the trash can. You did not come to eat, especially with all the, you know, holiday nonsense. And they say it's flu season and all the rest. Like, eh, I'm good. Let's see. Other folks uh, who are with us, if you have commentary to share, line should be open. Proceed. While folks, they need a moment to kind of get their thoughts together. I will say this is not, you know, contradiction. I'm not encouraging anybody to go to the Christmas parties at all. I'm just acknowledging that, hey, sometimes there can be penalties, right? Back in the old days, pre-COVID, there could be penalties for not participating. I think, especially if you pull the Rona card now and saying, hey, I'm a parent. I can't do these or I'm not doing any gatherings right now. I'm just being overly cautious. I'm a parent. Back in the old days, oh my goodness, I remember they had for one time, I was at work and they had a Christmas party and they were going to do it at uh, a white woman's residence. I don't think I had been to anybody, 
none of my coworkers at this show. I had not been to any of these people's house. Like, why in the world are we going to this person's random? I don't even remember where it was, but it was like someplace out in like the boonies. Like, it was not easily accept type of a thing if something happens and they throw you out like you can't just oh yeah i'm right in the middle of town i can get you know wherever easy like no it was not that type of a thing like i just remember like and i wasn't even like informed like no i had no grasp of counter racism at all in terms of logic and do this don't do that blah 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 and i think i may have even did they had had i been to a christmas party before I feel like we had some sort of Christmas. It might have been like an in-office type thing. I guess that's why I don't have like a strong memory of it. But I think we had some sort of in-office uh, Christmas activity that I participated in. Like, oh, right on. I'm going to do all this and blah, blah, blah. And then we get our time off. All right. Go chill with the family and all that. Uh, but this time around, they were going to do it at our house. And I just immediately my response is, nah, I'm not doing that. Like it was no it was no thought. No, I'll think about it. Or, oh, you're going to have what to eat? Oh, let me. Man, there was no way in the world. I am not doing that at all. And they were so upset. Like, people were furious. I talk about office gossip. Like, I remember this, like, vividly. Uh, the, like, faces of scorn. You know, like, no count Gus. Didn't even come to the Christmas party. Like, that sort of thing can happen uh, where that'll end up be the justification for like you not getting a raise, you not getting a promotion, both, you know, all kinds of things. So uh, or you just being in low standing, lower like you're already the nigra of the group. Right. You'll be in even lower standing. Right. For that sort of thing. So it is good to gauge like how much of a penalty am I going to incur for not participating? I'm not saying that that would change anything at all. It's just good to know that sort of thing so that you're not surprised. That's why I said if they're going to do something that's in-house, oh, yeah, you can hang out for 30 minutes. You were there, and that'll hopefully minimize, if not totally eliminate, any sort of scorn or wrath because you didn't you know, join in. Uh, but if it's at somebody's house, I'm just not going to another person's house. Like That would have to be... I think last week we talked about if you have, unfortunately, like someone pass in your family, do you tell the people at work? And I said, absolutely not. Like, I don't you know, expect sympathy or I don't want a flower basket or anything, a fruit bowl from these folks. Like, I'm good. We're not friends like that. I can grieve, you know, privately with family and friends. They don't need to know, you know, all my personal business in that sort of in that manner. That's kind of the same way uh, that I would view, you know, lots of things like we don't need to give out uh, any sort of extra information, extra data. Uh, to people that you work with we are not that close this is not a family these are not your cousins or what have you hopefully you'll leave this job for greener pastures as they say uh, at some point so we can you know leave all that stuff by the wayside but yeah the Christmas party thing even if they want to be upset I didn't come to the house oh well they can be upset about it it's COVID and like I said it should be way easier now it's COVID man it's COVID. You don't even, hey, you don't know what kind of cooties I got. You don't want me hanging out. You don't want everybody. Hanging. That's why I said it, COVID should make it way easier. It should be way fewer people should be willing to have a whole lot of people over to their residence. I'm sure that won't eliminate all, but that sort of thing should should be minimized somewhat. And then if it's just about going to a bar or a restaurant or whatever it is, you just say what I said. I'm, I'm a parent. I hope you all have a great time, but I'm just overly cautious as a mom, as a dad, not doing gatherings just yet. All you have to say, what are they going to say? 
Anywho, uh, let's see. If other folks uh, commentary to share, thoughts, feel free. If everyone has spoken, may I be heard again? Uh, yes, sir. We can hear you. Well, I just wanted to say I appreciate the suggestion. Uh, I've just learned this information regarding my child within the past. And with uh, any child, I uh, tend to react more aggressively, not thinking more quickly. Uh, so I definitely appreciate those pieces of information I wanted to add to the due to COVID. Some of the, the school that my children attend, they have restrictions uh, regarding the uh, participating or going to the school to sit in the classes. That is something that I have done previously uh, with my older child. And now the uh, parents are allowed into the school on a very restricted basis. Um, and uh, on another issue, I just wanted to uh, ask the, uh, the first caller of the evening, if he, that person is still on the line, um, when they say that, uh, that your traffic can be traced, does that mean the website that a person has uh, uh, visited on their uh, network? And that's all I wanted to, uh, to add for the evening. Thank you. Much obliged, sir. I'm not surprised to hear that at all, that it's uh, more limited access now. That it, That's why I said COVID, COVID, better for worse, use it where it's constructive. But I'm not surprised to hear that that's limiting access to being able to view the classroom. Our first caller, uh, did you want to answer this question about the uh, traffic on your personal network? Let's see. Is he, are you with us? That was our caller on five one eight zero. Yes. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Okay. So when when they talk about uh, being able to look at uh, like track your traffic, that's um, how put it? It, in a way it's a general term because there's multiple areas that you can track it. So let me give you an example. If I have access to your device, I can like direct access to your device, meaning I've, I've actually Found your device, found the vulnerability that allows me to, you know, in some way tinker with and make modifications to code that runs on your device. Well, yeah, I could track it in that way. But the general sense of tracking, what they're usually talking about is like the way that Internet service providers, ISPs, are able to control how traffic flows from your computer to the computer that you've made the request for a website or information. So along that way, there's, it goes a path. You know what I'm saying? Think about it like uh, if you, let, let's say you want to go from your house to the grocery store. There's a path that you have to go to get there. Now, if along that, let's say along that path, right, at each stoplight, there's a traffic camera, right? That traffic camera records all traffic that comes through that intersection. So if somebody wanted to see what, what path you took to get to the grocery store, all they have to do 
they just watch the cameras and figure out, oh, okay, he made a left here, right there, then he went straight, then he made another left, another right, and boom, he ended up at the store. So that's the way, one way in which they can track your traffic. Another way that they do it is they might not necessarily directly track every site you go to, like, uh, like no, like, like NBA.com or something like that. But they'll do what you'll track cookies. So you can look at the little cookies that sites put on your um, browser so that they can store information. That's why if you look at like, um, let's say you look for a vacation for your wife and your kids, right? It's wintertime where I'm at. So you might be like, you know what, holiday season, let's go on vacation. Let's go down to Florida and visit the uh, retired firefighter. Well, what happens is as soon as you start to uh, search for vacation trips to Florida, um, maybe even rental car prices, things of that nature, uh, each one of those services will put a cookie in your browser just so that when you return back, it already knows what you're looking for. It has an idea of what you're looking for. So that's another way in which they track it. Um, one of the things I'd say, if you don't really want to be tracked, that's kind of a, it's a lot to go through not to be tracked. Um, most people aren't really willing to do it. I mean, if you're the people that I've seen who have to really think about that level of it are people who are, uh, you know, doing things that are quite secretive. I'm not saying whether it's nefarious or not, but, um, when you look at like a, a network, the same way that you're able to, they're able to monitor now from the standpoint, let me say from, uh, if like, uh, outside of the website owner, just purely looking at traffic, that's just things that are flowing over wire, such as how your request for Gus T's, uh, website, right? The way that it goes from your computer and gets to the server, which is another computer that holds Gus site. Um, there's ways that they're able to look at that traffic from your internet service provider standpoint, because they're the ones who are carrying that request to the other computers, okay? Um, when they're tracking, like, uh, if they're looking for, for example, hackers, one of the things that you'll find is most internet traffic is very uniform. So if they really, really most people, they're not going to look at your stuff too much because it's very uniform. What they're usually looking for is very specific types of packets, okay? Um, those packets have malicious code in them because there's specific ways in which you craft those packets. So when, when you look at general internet traffic, it looks pretty uniform because that's what general websites do. They push out a very, um, how can I say it, a consistent type of, of packet. So when they're trying to track stuff, they're usually looking for uh, a very specific style of packet. So there's filters that they'll put in your router, and here's the trickiness, that sometimes they'll put it on your router, your actual router that you have in your house, because your internet service provider is actually the one who controls the modem. So when you go and you purchase internet service, let's say through like a Spectrum or somebody like that, they give you a device or they say, hey, here's the devices that we suggest that will work on our network. So for example, uh, if you go with their devices, they pretty much control those devices. They're the ones who are responsible for updating the modem that allows that signal to originate and for you to send and receive their signal. So they actually have quite a bit of control. Even with the setup I have, 
uh, mine, I go and source everything myself from the, from the modem to the router. But the Internet service provider ultimately has control of updating the modem because that's the, the entry point, the ultimate entry point for you into their networks, okay? So they can put monitoring software or firmware updates on there. And if you contact a modem like Maker, like Netgear or Motorola, um, they'll tell you, like, if you're talking about the modem, you got to go deal with your internet service provider because they're the ones who are ultimately responsible for maintaining and updating things on that modem. So uh, the updates that are required because there's vulnerabilities that happen in the modem. Uh, yeah, Motorola is supposed to do it. Motorola has to do it, but ultimately your internet service provider is supposed to push the update to your modem. So your internet service provider has a level of control over being able to monitor your traffic at that point because your modem is considered a part of their network. Even though you pay for it, they have the right to monitor you there. Now, when governments step in, they tend to just tell the people uh, pretty much two ways. Either they're going to do a hard um, mirroring. It's pretty much mirroring, either a hard one or a soft one. A soft one is more done through software. So that's where they'll say, hey, you know, we're, we're looking for specific traffic. A hardware one, a little bit more expensive because they actually have to be able to isolate that device that they're looking for and then go and find out where in the network that they actually have to physically plug in their hardware to then start monitoring that specific traffic. You get what I'm saying? So when you talk about like tracking, that could be a multitude of things. But generally speaking, if you're going to, if you want to avoid it, I'd say uh, there's different operating systems out there. You don't want to run an operating system from your hard drive. Um, live USB is probably the best way to go. And also I'd say you want to spoof the Mac address. A lot of people talk about IP addresses. That's that's something that the internet service provider uh, provides you with, but a MAC address is very unique to that specific device that you purchase. So when you spoof the MAC address, that really throws a lot of stuff off. Only issue you'll run into is uh, if there's another MAC address somewhere in the world that has that's being used at the same time, it can cause one of the two of you guys to end up not getting service. So there's ways of skirting it, but you have it's it's pretty. It's kind of complicated, and you have to rem- remember to uh, kill your your current Mac. There's software that can do it for you. I'll put it like that, but I think it'd be pretty complex if you're just a regular person and not somebody who's a super big techie. So that, that's hopefully wasn't too over-technical how I explained that. Much obliged, sir. Lots of details. I know for sometimes it can be helpful uh, having visuals to go along with that to be able yeah. to point that this and that. But folks can uh, do some investigating. We say still learning. So there you go. There's something. If you have a little extra time, you can invest some time in investigating different ways of trying to protect yourself uh, as you are online and what have you. If you have concerns. Uh, about your job, what have you, if they have a loaner computer or whatever, uh, concerns about your information uh, being tracked online, them checking out what where you're going to and all the rest of it might be worth investing, all of us really investing some time so we can be more informed, better safeguard ourselves. Um, let's see, number again, 720-716-7600.
5647300 the code 564943pound press star 61 if you would like to participate email again until justice at gmail.com uh, let's see uh, other folks who are with us uh, if you have commentary suggestions uh, thoughts to share let us know again if we have any folks uh, where the vaccine uh, like I said they you have some places where it's not being enforced uh, where they work you know at a company that has 100 employees or more or their healthcare facility or whatever it is but they're supposed to be enforcing the mandate but it's not happening uh, if this has made you change your stance or you know whatever uh, is happening with the vaccine enforcement uh, in your area in your workplace uh, if that is an issue let us know uh, let's see folks are getting their thoughts together uh, or so if everybody is satisfied we'll give about five minutes or so and see if everyone is straight maybe they want to get to enjoying the rest of the giblets uh, from the Thanksgiving providing supper all that good stuff um, and we should do like more content like that's really important just in terms of it, it seems like so many folks end up having lots of problems uh, around computer usage I'd say a lot of it is just being reckless uh, with the their uh, machines in the workplace whether it's a desktop in their office uh, certainly once it you know gets to them having some sort of tablet or whatever uh, even a phone uh, that they get to take with them uh, just do not allow yourself to get comfortable uh, if you know that's not your machine like man you are never checking personal email like never uh, not social media not that I would encourage using it but I mean never uh, I'm not gonna log on I'm not checking my Instagram on the workplace tablet like ever if it's that important go log on to your own device uh, and again if you don't have your own device I know some people are, are limited in terms of what technology they have access to Man, you can, if it's just for web browsing or what have you, like you can get a really inexpensive uh, machine. You can go to Target or what have you. Tablets like they have all kinds uh, of different, you know, options. Uh, if it's just for web surfing, but under no circumstances would I use any sort of machine that is the property of the company that you work for uh, for any sort of, you know, just personal viewing uh, of information online like that is workplace related always only even if it's a phone uh, if it's a workplace phone I wouldn't make any calls on that phone except work-related calls I wouldn't even call my spouse uh, on the work line certainly no text messages like woof. Uh, I would not even I would be reluctant to even do text messages to people that I work with I know for some jobs like that is a big thing but wow I would not want to do it it would let's do phone call whatever whatever if we're gonna do text message this is going to be business etiquette at all times. Like it's not going to be rife with emojis and all the rest of it. That's another one where I've heard way too many folks where they end up getting like, I guess, just comfortable 
uh, once you've been on a job and you've been texting a person for a year or whatever it is, six months sometimes, I don't know, uh, but they end up with a lot of emojis and talking as though they're talking to their homies and friends on a weekend and not a work colleague. The Elizabeth Holmes trial that is going on right now uh, in California kept saying we could read one of the books on that for the book club. They uh, pulled out all those text messages in court. What did you text on to Bill on, you know, September 2016 and all that? Like anything workplace, I said consistently, that needs to be something that you can stand on, like for all time, all kinds of public scrutiny. Everybody in the company might have to see this email. In fact, we had. Oh, oh, these are these are just people that I know. These aren't even cows listeners, although I'm sure it's happened there too. Uh, people where they were doing that, putting all kinds of goofy motion uh, emojis and gifts and all this other stuff in the text message to a colleague, and then they whoops and it ended up going to a supervisor or somebody. And they're like, "What? What is this dancing giraffe and all the rest of the go? Whoops, whoops, sorry, sorry, that was for Susan. My bad, my bad. You're not texting your friends. This is not your, you know." weekend we are chilling and how are we going to coordinate what we're getting into for Saturday night that's not what this is business like when they use business etiquette if you need a smiley face for something that's fine but anything beyond that like man let's keep this professional uh, let's see okay. Okay, a second here. Nick over the road, did you have uh, commentary? Should be with us, sir. Nick over the road. Yes, sir. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, greetings, Gus and, and, and the family. Um, I wanted to, to mention the situation uh, with the schools that I kind of went, that I went through. Not that I went through, but I experienced. Um, guess uh, coming in, from work early in the morning, neighbor, she running out the house. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Why are you running? Because I didn't usually see her that early. She was late for work, had to drop off her baby. So I was like, hey, look, I'll take your babies to school. You just go to work. So I'll drop the daughter off. I go to drop her son off, and I'm not the kind of person that would just let the child out the car and they go run, you know, across the street and into the gate. I'll park and walk him to the gate. So I walked the, the the little guy to the um, to the gate and it just looked like something special was happening. I seen about ten or fifteen guys standing off to the side. They wasn't standing like together like they knew each other. They were just kinda spread out. So I asked the lady at the gate, I said, What's going on? And um she said, Today is uh, Father Student Day. I was like, Oh and I was about to walk off, and I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? Let me go on in here and support a little man. So I went in there. Um, the children was all standing in line where they all line up, I guess, in the morning or whatever. And um, and the people, um, the staff making announcements and whatnot, mentioned the fathers. And then she told the students who fathers were there to go stand with their fathers, right? So, you know, the students came over, and I'm looking for a little man, and he ain't not coming, so I yell out his name, and he came running through the crowd or whatever, and and I'm um, standing there, and he run up, hugged me and stuff, and 
but after it was all over or whatnot, I had asked the, um, their mother, I was like, hey, do they have like a mother's student day or just a general parent student day? And she was like, no, nah, because, you know, they give the students in elementary like a calendar for like the, the month or the next month to let the parents know what's going on. And she said, no, nah, they don't have anything like that, just the regular yearly you know, where they meet with all the parents and talk about the students' progress, just that I think they have a name for it. I I don't remember right now. And I just found it odd that they did that because in my mind, I'm like, why single out the fathers? And the children who have fathers that can show up to the school. What about the children who fathers can't show up? And then I think I thought about the whole like um prison pipeline thing, you know, and and just the stuff that they do to children in in the public schools cuz I went. They did it to me. They they single you out, pick out any little thing they don't like about you and get you in trouble or whatever and thinking that you don't have a father at home it'll put pressure on the mother mother have to take a day off for work because you got suspended and it's just a whole lot of unnecessarily tension that can happen and violence in families and stuff like that and i just i just want to say this for the for the fellas in the room even if they're not your child if you could just kind of find out you know, if you know any, any, any young men in your life, find out if they have events like this at their school and show up for them. And uh, I'll meet my line. Wow. That is black self-respect. That is spectacular. I'm glad you were able to uh, pitch this. Being a parent, especially an attempted black parent in a system of white supremacy, like, wow, that is super hard. Um, and that's so many, you know, uh, parents struggling, trying to get to work and running late and I got to get my child to school and all the rest of it. So, right. I guess that's double uh, for helping, um, so that she could get to work and you dropping her children off. And then, uh, recognizing that something was awry, uh, like, oh, okay. It's father student day. Like, okay, I'll pitch in and be a black male, uh, so that you can have someone like, uh, yeah, I'm sure that is stressful for a lot of folks if they do not have an attempted father there with them. And then this happens like, wow, that is uh, they just have to sit there all, you know, embarrassed and humiliated like oh, worst ever. Um, yeah, they should have some sort of contention. Maybe they do. And, you know, it just didn't get communicated. But, yeah, they should have some sort of contention for people where if they don't if they don't have uh, an attempted parent who lives with them or what have you or the person works uh con- if their work hours conflict with being able to come in at that time uh something to kind of counterbalance that because yeah i could see where that's just you know a lot of unnecessary humiliation um for someone to have to experience uh in that situation like wow you can tell just from his response you see he ran across the room like oh my gosh it's the best thing ever like i can imagine like yeah that's i'm super glad i don't know why they don't have the mom i'm i'm trying to lean into optimism here like maybe they were thinking since you know uh dads get such a, a bum deal especially uh black dads that will do this to to give them some time and they can come in and show off and be back. Maybe that was the thought process. I have no idea why they didn't 
do the uh, same thing for moms. That way his mom could come in a day or what have you. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I bravo. That is spectacular uh, to help out. Um, and yeah, for other folks, if they have time, no retired firefighter in Florida regularly talks about the weekend program and uh, he and Mr. Clark uh, being there to be male role models uh, for these students down in South Florida, uh, being able to pitch in that time and energy uh, to help out young black children. Super important. So, yeah, bravo again, sir. That is spectacular illustration of black self-respect. Uh, let's see. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have commentary to share, line should be open. Uh, we'll make sure I get in again. This is not a family. We are just victims of white supremacy exchanging views. Uh, I don't even call the so-called family a family. I generally say attempted father and attempted mother. But yes, we random folks in different locations uh, where even our racial classification has not been verified for everyone here. We are for sure not a family. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up uh, commentary to share. Uh, let's see. Golden in Ohio should be with us as well. Hello. Can I be heard? Yes. Um, I'll talk about our uh, work COVID uh, protocols. I've kind of been waiting to see what's going on with the regulations. So uh, I guess probably back in October, early October, we had to um, upload into a portal our, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, our vaccine status. And but we also have the option to not disclose. So a lot of people don't disclose. And for that reason, they're lumped into the um, non-vaccinated category for them to, uh, you know, as they're still trying to figure out uh, with the law department what exactly this means and how uh, how we proceed. So our first step was people could upload the information or you could just choose to not disclose, period, which a number of people did that because it was very extensive with information on when you had the shots, when you got boosters. So there was like a whole array of questions to answer and keep going in and updating as you, you know, got three, booster three or booster four, I think some people were on at this point. Um, then next, uh, they went back to saying wear masks for the people who aren't vaccinated, even though there's uh, no mask mandate in the state. They said you must, when you're on property, wear a mask if you're not vaccinated. No one follows that. Uh, people who want to wear masks will wear masks. Um, then probably about a week ago, um, I think they're trying to decide with still with the enforcement, but definitely by uh, starting January 4th, people will either have to 
be vaccinated or submit, and the word is at least a weekly test. So um, no information on how the testing is going to be, if it's going to be on-site, or if you provide your own test. We don't know if it's going to be rapid testing or, you know, you have to go to approved facilities. So there's still a lot of uh, employees that are kind of waiting it out. And uh, we don't uh, we don't fear any um, reprisals as far as getting fired. Uh, some people have left the job. A lot of people have gone home. Um, I'm on vacation now for a couple weeks and I applied for a different position. So I thought it was very interesting. The person talking about uh, the work from home, I did uh, apply for a different position. And uh, once training is over and, you know, you can work on site for the first six months and then um, everyone else is in a fully remote position. But in our case, with this position, the job would give you all the equipment. Um, my daughter works for the company, but she uses her own equipment. So she was out during COVID probably for 18 or 19 months and using her own equipment, which I didn't think was a good idea. So um, I just thought that was very interesting. And I was kind of taking notes of, uh, you know, how I wanted to, Definitely have them provide me something, not use my uh, equipment. And um, so we'll see. So I'll be going to Jamaica next Wednesday and um, staying for about a week. If I happen to have a non-negative test, I get to stay for 10 more days free of charge. So I'm not hoping to test positive, but... If I get in a longer vacation in Jamaica free of charge, I don't have any qualms with that. Then come back. By then, the company will decide how we're going to proceed for those without uh, vaccination. So that's all I have. Thanks. Wow. Safe travels. Flying to Jamaica. I'm envious. Wowzers. Lots of fun. I was just talking about that. It's been some years since I've been to Jamaica. Ugh. Get some time at the beach. Lots of time at the beach. And uh, get a fruity drink. Non-alcoholic, I guess. Nobody does that. Nobody goes to Jamaica to get a, fruity, a virgin fruity drink in the Caribbean. But get a fruity drink and go to the beach. Uh, have fun in the sun. Uh, for Gusty. Wowie. That's awesome. Uh, hopefully you're traveling. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say hopefully you'll have safe travels and, and no problem getting to and fro. Did you have something you were going to add? Um, yes. Once I go, I actually feel better when I come back. There's just amazing um, juices. They do beets and carrot juice fresh uh, coconuts that get them out of the tree and, you know, chop them up with the machete just drink the fresh coconut water. So, I mean, I'll come back, I'm sure, a lot, lot more relaxed and mentally, you know, prepared to see what my next steps will be at work. So, 
I'm looking very forward to. I bet get all that fresh mango and coconut and pineapple and kiwis and on and a papaya on and on and on like yeah I can imagine all that goodies fresh right there and ripe on the tree yep very invigorating super envious uh, drink get three or four for me uh, drink them up beach time like yeah do it up do it up wow um she said they're on the they're not even following the protocol see that we've had you know uh multiple folks who said that repeatedly they're not following the rules call uh investor they wrote in he said that they uh were doing back to doing potluck dinners and all that right whatever germs they got at home bring it all in and we'll sit down and eat together high five and everything why are we going to have all these extra rules if we're not even following the protocols that we have in place right now like uh now I've heard that you know people that don't want to disclose or whatever we just put all of you all in the unvaccinated category and then we're supposed to have testing and all the rest of it and as she said like I'd be paying attention to all the rules about that like at least once weekly or at least weekly testing like with that this could be I mean with that sort of language it could be daily could be every other day could be twice a week I mean but you don't even know with that sort of deliberately vague language and then as she said like the expense who has to pay for these tests and especially if you know this ends up being something where it could be daily or two three times a week who's going to pay for all those tests is this going to be on site I know some places have that they can test you right there rapid test bang keep it on moving is this an off off site type of thing you have to go make a special trip someplace the other side of town cross the railroad tracks to do this test every time of day like all of that again the little regulations that we have masks and all the rest of it we're not even doing that so much less who's gonna you know in a serious manner conduct all this testing and what have you once all this kicks in at some point again safety regulations and all that can be very lax uh, in the system of white supremacy I'd say that is a general tendency very widespread you just have to as best you can uh, prioritize your health and safety uh, and you saying, hey, I'm going to be looking out to make sure that I'm well uh, and not just taking it for granted that, you know, they are going to have your back and they're going to fully disclose things for you. And they're going to go around and make sure that everybody's following the rules. Put your mask on and wash your hands like probably not going to be the case. Not even close. Um, yeah. And just for that reason alone. I, like, I think I said this before, but I'm like staunchly opposed to all of the vaccine mandate, even mask mandate. I wear my mask and all that. I've said from the very beginning, take it seriously, but I don't oh, I oppose all of the mandates because I suspect, like she said, it's been so haphazard with them enforcing wearing a mask, distancing just the smaller protocols. I would totally expect it to be random where if it's me, some not black person, especially but some non-white person, just randomly, you know, on December 3rd, they come in. Oh, where's your mask at? Oh, that's going to be a side. That's what I would expect 
we haven't been enforcing protocols at all. People have done whatever they wanted. They have been distancing. They have been wearing a mask, but just randomly. Now we're going to enforce it. And it happens to be black, non-white people who end up taking the punitive measures from, you know, not complying, you know, not taking it serious and all the rest of it. So I'm not surprised if they have those protocols, I would recommend following, following them in the workplace, but that would be something I would include in my workplace journal that, these are the rules that are, you know, whatever is supposed to be. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And then this is not being enforced. And then if this is a regular thing, dates, times, who it was that, yeah, they're not doing it, not not wearing a mask, not doing blah, not doing blah. Just make a note of all that. Other folks with commentary. May I be heard? Uh, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to just the host, the listeners and callers. Um, I wanted to share some updates uh, from the workplace. Um, the first one is uh, there is this commercial, right? Uh, and this is one of two, I think, experiments or um, white code being practiced by a, I think, a top-tier um, uh, click member, like in the late 50s. Uh, so it's a black guy on the tobacco commercial where he's saying he's trying to quit smoking and she was mocking the way that he spoke, right? So she noticed I didn't respond. And then other commercials, uh, you know, the news, the local news came on. And, you know, she just tried to make other commentary to make it seem like she was being friendly. But I think she noticed I noticed her um, exhibiting uh, racism. So, you know, I just gave just plain responses. You know, I was just looking at my phone on lunch break. Uh, you know, I wanted to point that out. So, you know, the guy said he was uh, trying to stop smoking and then she was like mocked, you know, the way that he was speaking. And then especially, you know, for the kind of commercial it was, um, so, you know, that was one that I wrote down. And then the next day, they go to my next one. This was on a Tuesday. Um, her and then another older clique member and a second, no, a third younger one with the alopecia. I'll just throw that in there. Um, you know, she, like, the older female walked in and, uh, she like I just had this, you know, just show courtesy, hey or whatever. And the uh warden white woman walks in and then she starts behaving a certain way. And I think she was speaking that code. And what I meant but what I mean by that is she was using the word party, P A R T Y. Um, she says to the, the warden Oh, well, uh, is it going to be that party? 
you know, I heard about that party. Now, this is the person that's, you know, in personnel and things like that. So I'm like, the context that she was using the word party in is like she was trying to uh, communicate something else because I was in the room and she was trying to gather together uh, plasticware, plates, things like that. But they, you know, I think they was trying to act like they don't associate with one another, um, which, you know, I can look past that. And, you know, her using this word party, she goes back to another uh, click member who was reading a book and says, uh, and, you know, the reason I'm using this, I'm talking about this word party, she gets up from the table with the younger uh, um, white woman. And before they walk out, she says, oh, party's over. That's all she said. Like, party's over. Like, I'm trying to extrapolate that. So, uh, you know, the, the both of them walk out and the one and the other female don't communicate much. So I'm like, obviously, you know, because I'm sitting in there. Uh, my next one is my supervisor, another white woman. Um was asked a question because this uh, victim was helping an older uh, black female and was being discourteous, you know, unfortunately. Uh, and she was trying to email um, a coworker of mine to get some images emailed to print out for the customer. And uh, for some reason, she wasn't answering the email. So uh, the white supervisor, the white woman, walks in, and she says, hey, uh, have you seen blank, you know, naming the white woman, another, you know, clique member. I haven't, I'm not getting any responses, you know, what's going on? And uh, the white woman says, hmm, well, maybe she doesn't like you today. And she starts laughing, like, ha, 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 whatever. And this is in front of customers, like, what's that? So I look at the black female and her reaction. You know, she seemed annoyed and frustrated. Um, and she ended up uh, finding a person and solving the issue. But, you know, for that to come out of the supervisor, that was unprofessional. And <laughs> a white woman was having another issue with the same particular white woman she was emailing about and the supervisor was on vacation, right? So it's reported that this, uh, <laughs> this white woman that she reported that this happened while she, the supervisor was gone. She's saying the supervisor said, oh, well, if I was here, I would have pulled her by her ear or something like that. And don't make me take off my earrings. Like, that still, like, sits with me. I'm like, what does that mean? Why are you saying that as a supervisor? You know, um, and I had one more. Uh, there was a card that was given to a, a non-white, non-black female and had a donkey. 
uh, on the front of it. So I found the image of it online, right? Um, and it's like a Hallmark card. So on the front, it says, it's your day. And it reads, when you open the card, it says, that calls for a big-ass celebration, cheap-ass, this cake is free, right? Nice-ass, you can have my slice of cake, half-ass, happy, dumb-ass, which end of the candle do I light? Smart-ass, e-haw, MC, whatever that means, crazy-ass, part of your me-off. So two people where I sit at reacted to this and they use the word, well, I don't know, should I be offended? So I'm like, what does the car say? So, you know, they showed it to me and I was like, oh yeah, I'm not signing that. So, you know, um, I wanted, I wanted to share that. Uh, and they did give a raise. participate in the potluck and I know she noticed that right away immediately so after after she started trying to talk to me the supervisor came in after and she was like oh I noticed you were in the circuit writer and she was in the circuit writer you know talking about the newsletter again uh, so I, th I definitely think there's some experimentation going on with that and I'm still paying attention so and I wanted to uh, read some documentation, but I left it at the house. Um, but I'll read it on the next one. And that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Much obliged. Uh, our caller in Florida. Yowzers. It's, uh, even during the holiday season, it does not get any better than tacky. Now, I don't do birthdays like at all. My birthday, anybody else's birthday, like I'm just not a birthday person. Um, I believe the, the limited number of birthday cards that I have signed, even received, uh, and I know where they are in the grocery store and such, they generally have some that are pretty straightforward. Happy birthday. Many returns. Happy birthday. Wishing you and yours a safe, prosperous year. Some just say happy birthday. Doesn't even have anything else. Especially those are great because it leaves lots of space for everyone to sign the card. And it'll just have a nice, lazy, uh, not even memorable photograph of some balloons or a birthday cake or whatever. All of that would be totally fine. Nah, nah, nah. I want to get the gag gift. Now, I mean, hey, I like a good joke as much as anybody. That would be if we are homies. We wouldn't even have to be as close as like we talked about before. Like if I have a death in the family, would I share it to you that close? But I mean, there should be some rapport. Like I know your sense of humor. We hang out. We might, I don't know, go for a hike for your birthday. You know, go out for lunch for your birthday because we have some sort of rapport beyond the workplace not just oh yeah it's birthday let's go which which card am I going to get 
Oh, look what... Oh, it's got a... It's got a mule on it. Donkey. And then it's got ass on it about 50 different ways. That's the one that we want to get for work. That'll be good. Like, what? Who goes... Now, I mean, you know you have got something that is really trashy when you go to give it to people to sign and they're like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I should be offended. Like, and that right there, tacky, I'm not signing it. I'm totally cool. Like who even wants to display this? Like a lot of times people get birthday cards and they'll like put it on their desk, especially if you get it from your colleagues, they'll put it up on their desk, right? And display it for a couple days or a week or whatever. Or they'll take it home. They'll have a whole little uh, shrine, call it. Not to LeBron James, but to for all their little birthday cards and such. Who wants to put that up? Dumbass, smartass, wise. <laughs> and then I got this from my coworkers. Really? Hmm. Do they think you're a dumbass or a wise ass or half ass? <laughs> like, does not get any better than tacky. And that would be another illustration why I'm good. I don't need to share anything. Imagine that. That's the card they give out for the birthday. What do they give out for, you know, any other other time? You have a loss in the family. Christmas. They just go get the tackiest card they can find. Like, I'm good. I've seen your conduct. Uh, let's see. When they came in, that's in the book. That's why I said, like, all that talk about bias and people are unaware. That is nonsense. That is a dangerous lie. Uh, when she comes in, because that's the whole premise of the book, Two-Faced Racism. Joe Fegan, we had him as a guest on the program. Where he talked about white people come up with elaborate codes. They talk very different when it's just them. And then when a nigger up here, like, whoa, whoa, we got to switch this up. Be a little bit more codified. Ixnay on the nigger talk. And she walks in and she sees you like troublemaker number one, like, eh, eh. yes, what's up with the party? Wink, wink. And then they all pick up on it and do, you know, blah, 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 and do all this. And then she's like, uh-huh. party over. Wink, wink. And they leave like, what? This yeah. sort of thing happens all the time. Now, I wasn't you know, cognizant to it when I was not studying racism before, but this sort of where they will, sometimes it'll just be a word. It can be spontaneous where they'll make it up. They might've talked about parties that morning or had some other context for why that would resonate for why they could use that one word and just amongst each other. And they know what they're talking about, but that's all that could be, you know, we're rendezvousing to talk about how we're going to try and get this nigga fired or, you know, whatever it's going to be like that sort of thing happens all that they got whole chapters in that book to face racism where white people in work settings will come up with some sort of code or what have you where they can talk specifically about black people or they can conceal what they're doing from the black people that they work with party can I add something to that yes sir I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, it was another um, portion of it where I'll have the earbud on and she was um, meticulous in a way like, oh, I got a test to see a blink. My name is listening, right? Uh, <laughs> I have the earbud in the in the the, uh, the right ear, you know, 
she testing to see if I have it on the left or the right or paying attention to what they're saying. Like, why would you even have to even, you know, preface your statement like that? Because they, they plan on unjust networking, same white woman, one way she's behaving like that. And then another day on Wednesday, it's just silence. They ain't saying too much. But she, she, see, she testing if I had an earbud in the left ear. Uh, clearly, it's not there. But she want to know if I'm listening. You know, if I'm going to pick something or I'm going to absorb something or I'm going to take notes. Okay. You know, I wanted to add that. She said, yeah, I wanted to see if he's listening. You know, smiling and stuff. But she, she was sincere. She was um, greatly sincere about that. I am not surprised uh, that, like I said, that's, they're not ignorant about racism, white supremacy. They're hyper vigilant about their niggers. And I, even that information, I mean, how often do you all go out in a workplace setting and preface commentary like, oh, wait a minute. I mean, is is Nick listening? I don't want to get off into my story and Nick over here. OK, he can't. OK, he can't hear me. Let's. I mean, who does that? Like, unless, as you said, I am up to no good. Like, make sure everybody is here so we can get into some gossip. Did you hear about what or some racism or whatever else the talk is going to be? But <laughs> they had to be so brazen about it. Like, my goodness, why don't y'all just go and get on the text like you normally do? Uh, let's see. And the discard, the, the trashiness through and through. And they had the black female. I'm trying to work. She's not. I'm not doing pranks on people. I'm trying to work. Have you, you know, seen Miss uh, Miss Johnson? Have you been able to get in touch with her? And she maybe she doesn't like you today. <laughs> like it's holiday season. We got customers here. I am trying to work. I mean, it would be different if it was a prank hour or if we were middle schoolers or what have you. But I am actually trying to get some work done. Like what in the world? That's another one. We do the reversal thing on a regular basis. Like you're a non-white person. You're working a professional job. This is not a toy store somewhere where you just are doing jokes and pranks all day long. And someone, man, I'm having trouble getting the call in. Do you know is Helen down the hall? I'm, I'm having trouble getting with her. And you're, Well, maybe she doesn't want to talk to you today <laughs> and do this in front of people like, really? Everyone's going to find that funny. That's nobody has any comment about professionalism. <laughs> if anything, you're wasting time. I'm actually trying to get something done here, and you're over here making dumb jokes and stuff. Why don't you go check and see if the phone is working? See if she's here. You don't have any other suggestions? Just making jokes, wasting time. Doesn't get any better than tacky. Uh, let's see. And like I said, everything is tacky. Everything we got today was tacky. The supervisor, she comes and says, uh, "What is it? I don't, don't, I don't. I wish I had been there. I wish I had heard that. Make me take my earrings off. Like, do what? <laughs> I thought people said that when they're ready to like go do some fighting or what have you. And again, we're in the courthouse. We're not at a bar. You know, again, same thing where we just we can make jokes and and nobody is really taking things that serious. You might be a little lookered up and all that. Like, this is the courthouse." They're making the judges are coming in, making rulings on termination of parental rights. People are coming in to get their marriage licenses and death certificates and all kinds of serious paperwork. And 
We're in here joking and goofing off about all kinds of things. Things that aren't even funny sometimes. Joking about I'm going to the supervisor. I'm joking about going to fight somebody. That's another one. Now imagine if that had been our caller here in Florida. Unless he's not a supervisor. That's not even put that in. He's just talking to somebody out there. But man, I wish I had been there and said that to me. I'd have been ready to take my jacket off and meet them outside. What? What? You're talking about going out and fighting somebody in the workplace? Like do what? At minimum, are you being professional right now? Are you modeling professional behavior? Workplace. That was what they said in the bias report. Workplace morals and ethics. Like, are you serious? We're at the courthouse and this is how they're behaving. And then they come with the now all of that. I got a card with an ass on it. The supervisor is talking about going out and fighting in the streets and all the rest of it. They're sitting here doing some kind of racist code where they could get information past me. And then they want to end all of this and come. Oh, we're going to do our potluck. Do you think you want to participate? Would you like to make something? Or do you want some giblets for the pot? You have got to be kidding. You have got to be outside of your mind. And the Sterona, like even if you all did behave yourself, we still got that. But I mean, then on top with everything else, I never eat anything and I'm not participating. We still got the Rona. I'm good. Don't even touch my water. Thank you. extra tacky that's what they did at the courthouse for thanksgiving extra tacky in north florida my goodness uh much obliged uh caller at the courthouse uh we did our three hours i guess and a minute or so extra uh we will be here tomorrow for the compensatory call-in um 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific uh we'll catch up on what went down the last week that would be the time tomorrow to talk about the trial, not during the workplace, to talk about, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse or Ahmad Arbery and Al Sharpton and all the rest of it. Um, much obliged for the folks who tuned in this evening. Hope it was worthy of your Friday. Uh, be safe uh, this weekend. Uh, if you're going out to do any shopping or whatever, uh, if you have traveling to do to get back to your residence or uh, making sure your other family or what have you get back safely to wherever they're going travel safely golden and ohio safely to jamaica get that sunshine and fruity drinks for all of us uh if you are out in public someone is being rowdy this is no time for verbal confrontations uh, especially if you're out shopping like they will kill you over a present right now uh you should assume this person they might have a firearm anything they might have in fact a whole armed gang with them if you didn't leave your residence prepared to kill and or die, exit. Call the enforcement officers as you're leaving or, you know, whatever else. Uh, if you're in a vehicle, you should be sober, buckled up and not on your cell phone. Uh, just doing the small things that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person 
it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in no gossiping no name calling small things that we can do that would have a substantial impact towards solving this problem cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim your brother you a victim I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>